You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 543. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at former APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 3rd of November, 2022. In today's episode, a plane fighting a forest fire in Italy crashes into a mountain. Panama City, a Boeing 737, veers off the runway during landing. More news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 543 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback and questions. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA, and joining me from his studio... In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Hi there, Jeff. Uh, Looking forward to um, having a good old chat with you tonight. Please ignore the sound effects. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll try. All right. And also joining us from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer-director, it's Liz Piper. Good evening, everyone. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Maybe good morning. Yeah, so uh, just the three of us uh, here today, uh, we're going to do a two-parter again this week, so uh, you'll hear some other uh, crew members uh, later in the show, hopefully, fingers crossed. And uh, But first, let's go right on into the news. Stand by for news. Well, let's start with this news item. Uh, a, this is from aviationsafety.net. A Canadair CL415 firefighting plane impacted the side of a mountain near Lingua Glossa. Lingua, Lingua Glossa? Lingua Nailed it. I don't know. Both pilots died in the accident. The aircraft was fighting a forest fire and had just released its load of water when it contacted the downslope of a mountain and broke up. And we do have some video to play of the uh, tragedy. And let's start with this first one here. Okay. 
You can kind of hear the airplane coming in in the background. A little windy. There you see it in view. turn, kind of a steep turn, and it's flying down slope, releasing its water. Oh! oh. Mio Dio! Mio Dio! Mio Dio! I'm not sure what that means. I think it Oops. means my God. Oh my God, Mi that makes Dio. sense. Dio, yeah, Dio's God. Okay. Um, and we have, oh, I'm sorry, and we have another one. Where'd it go? Okay, here we go. Again, another angle of the uh, Canadair firefighting airplane. And for some reason, the sound went out. I didn't do that. It goes beyond the uh, ridge line there. And um, yeah, there's no sound for some reason. Anyway, it's uh, pretty low over there, about to make that uh, turn. Okay, steepens up the turn. I mean, they're almost at, I'd say about 80 degrees uh, bank angle here. Oh, at least, yeah. Water's coming out, and oh, man. You can really see it hit the uh, mountainside on, on that one. Uh, looks like it hit the right wing tip uh, on the uh, terrain, and then that just made it cartwheel and crash into the into the terrain. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, you know, it's so tragic because this is a pretty high risk um, type of flying, but you know, but like crop dusting, you're, you're flying, except here they're flying very large aircraft. Um, this one, not as big as many because they, uh, we know they have DC 10s and Tri Stars, and uh, even for 747 in the past have been used for firefighting, modified. They really are huge airplanes to be. Uh, put really close to the ground and they've got to be close to the ground so that the retardant they throw doesn't atomize in the air it, it's got special properties so it shouldn't but if you drop it too high it will eventually just uh, particularly uh, in in the warmth of a of a forest fire area it'll it'll just uh, evaporate and do no good at all mm -hmm. um so they've got to get in low uh it's hard to line up although they should have a spotter plane which uh, is much more maneuverable uh, and able to get in uh, and decide what line they want the drop on. They usually um, leave a smoke trail. Didn't see a spotter plane in this circumstance, and I wonder if that is perhaps a factor or is going to be a factor. But it might have been there. It might have gone through before we saw the video. They leave a, a smoke trail, and the, uh, the larger drop aircraft follows it. Um, looks like uh, they built, allowed the angle of bank to build up. Now, whether it built up because of a mechanical issue uh, or because of distraction or because of air currents in the, uh, in the area, we could tell one of those videos that they're quite strong wind. I don't know, but with that amount of bank on um, for any length of time, the nose will start to drop and, because they're in high terrain, it's not like you've got a nice clear horizon in front of you, uh, and they're not going to be really looking at the instruments. They're going to be heads out flying these maneuvers uh, to see uh, that the nose has dropped significantly. 
Um, and then I don't know whether it's uh, um, an accelerated stall that they ended up in where, you know, they pull back too hard with lots of bank and uh, the G uh, causes the stall. Um, I don't know. It looks like uh, it, uh, it lost lift on one side and perhaps that last flick turn into the canyon was either striking the ground or uh, part of a stall. Uh, I don't know. We're going to find out the cause for that situation they got themselves in. But once I think they got that low with that amount of bank, uh, there seemed to be very little way of getting out of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I believe uh, in our live audience, I Hall Boxes is, uh, is sharing that same opinion about it perhaps being a stall or accelerated stall and then just loss of lift. Uh, Muhammad, um, hello, Muhammad. Uh, we have some feedback from him uh, later in today's show. Um, it asks the question, could it be because of the pressure of the water releasing? Not usually. Uh, I mean, there are can be problems uh, when they release the water, but it's it's and this aircraft is specifically designed. It's one of the very few firefighting aircraft that was designed from the ground floor up to be a water bomber. Uh, most aircraft are, you know, freighters or airliners uh, that have been modified. But this one uh, was spe specifically designed by uh, Canada, the original manufacturer. Um, it would, when you drop a large uh, volume of anything off an airplane, it, there is likely to be a change in center of gravity. But I would have thought on a specifically designed aircraft like this, it would have been kept to an absolute minimum. So I would be surprised if there was a, a pitch up uh, caused by the release of the water. Um, didn't look like the water was coming out over the smoke. Perhaps they were still trying to maneuver to get over the smoke. Um, the water came out only just before they apparently lost control or got themselves into a difficult situation, wondering perhaps if they realized what was happening and released the water to lighten the aircraft. I don't know. Um, uh, but I think in that situation, they would have been more likely to have been trying to roll the aircraft out rather than hold that angler bank. So, I don't know. Uh, we're going to find out as much as we can from the eyewitnesses. I doubt this airplane has a, a cockpit um, data recorder. Uh, sorry, a, you know, a flight data recorder. It might have uh, cockpit voice recorders. I don't know. We might find out a little bit more when the um, accident report comes out. Yeah, I hope we do. It is a, definitely a tragedy. Okay, let's move on to the next item uh, from avweb.com. Uh, a Cuban pilot defected to Florida on Friday. Of course, this was a couple of weeks ago, I believe now. Uh, but there won't be much intelligence to be gleaned from the government aircraft he stole. The pilot. <laughs> yeah, it's well, kind of an older. Pretty modern to me. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, the <laughs> pilot, identified by a Spanish publication as Ruben Martinez, flew an ancient Antonov AN-2 single-engine biplane, yes, I said biplane, <laughs> at uh, wave top level before landing at Dade Collier Training and Transition Airport in the Everglades. The pilot of the plane notified the Miami-Dade County Tower at TNT Airport that he was low on fuel and had to land there minutes before he landed. Greg Chin, the Miami-Dade Aviation Department's communications director, told 
Local 10 News. Martinez uh, reportedly left El Cedro, uh, or El Cedro, Cuba, at 7 a.m., headed for Florida. He told airport staff that he was a defector from Sancti Spiritus, Spiritus, Cuba, uh, Holy Spirit. Uh, the TSA and Customs and Border Protection are, of course, interested in how the school bus-sized relic of the Soviet area, uh, era uh, it's a little bit bigger than a school That's bus. It's a big school bus. That's a huge school bus. <laughs> it is fairly um, large. I did a plane tale that included a lot about this aeroplane uh, when yeah. I was talking about Antonov, the man who uh, designed it and went on to design. Did you mention uh, how it was a school bus-sized uh, aircraft? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I you did. But that being <laughs> a description, but it, it didn't hold more. I don't think it held, held as many people as a school bus can, <laughs> quite honestly. Right, right. Well, anyway, the uh, TSA and Customs and Border Protection are, of course, interested in how this relic of the Soviet era was able to sneak through one of the most surveyed coastlines in the country. Martinez is being held by customs officials. The aircraft is owned by a Cuban company called ENSA, E-N-S-A, which is a subsidiary of the government's Cuban Aviation Corporation. It normally supplies crop dusting aircraft, but recently began carrying cargo. I mean, how far do you reckon he would have to have flown uh, there, Jeff? Uh, well, I think in general, I, uh, the uh, distance from Cuba to, let's say, Key West, uh, some of the the uh, the key islands uh, along the southernmost portion of Florida is about 90 miles. So this is an, oh. an additional maybe 20, 30 miles from there, maybe more, uh, but probably not much, something between 100 and 150 miles, I would imagine. Not a not a huge distance. So he, he that's not a huge distance, but he was apparently quite low on fuel. So I wonder if they deliberately fuel these aircraft so they can only normally get uh, mm. around Cuba yeah. to stop them defecting. That but, uh, could be. That could be. And also, you know, just skimming along the tops of the waves. Also, you're going to burn more fuel as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. But it's not so common nowadays. I mean, there used to be a lot of defectors. Uh, I don't know. I don't keep track of mm-hmm. how many people are leave, trying to leave Cuba now that it's sort of opened its doors a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Liz tells us that that uh, PT that you did, the plain tale, is entitled Giants of Ukraine, and that was on episode 513, 513. Oh, thanks, Liz. There you oh. go. And. Mainly uh, just about Antonov, but this, of course, this is a big part of his story because mm-hmm. it was an incredibly successful workhorse that, uh, you know, has been flown by countries all around the world. And it's quite a uh, a thing to see now in American uh, air shows. They, there's often an, one of these uh, down there do, you know, carrying passengers around uh, for joy flights or just displaying. I think it's great. I Hall Boxes says that there is another aspect to the story. Story has it, you got a good dose of radiation from the night luminescent flight instruments. <laughs> okay. Probably had radium or something painted all over the gauges. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Um, that's enough of that one, I guess. Um, haven't heard any, as I said, it's been a few weeks since uh, this story uh, uh, appeared, and I'm not sure what the status is of Mr. Martinez. Uh, Maybe somebody out there knows and can let us know. Um, you, you'll probably let him in, won't you? Oh, yeah. Why not? I mean, there's quite a big... Uh, you mean me personally um, or the Cuban community? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. You know, I have plenty of room here in this house. Now, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here, but oh, in the yeah, meantime, point. Yeah. It's, it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> so come on well, in. But, come on over. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. The next item is uh, from the Aviation Herald, avherald.com. A Copa Airlines Boeing 737-800 registration uh, Hotel Papa 1539 Charlie Mike Papa. That's a mouthful. Performing flight 135 from Mexico City, Mexico to Panama City, Panama, with 159 passengers and seven crew, landed on Panama City's runway three right at 2112 local time, so 912 p.m., in the flare, they drifted towards the right-hand edge of the runway, touched down inside the touchdown zone and runway, and then veered to the left and went past the left edge of the runway, crossing the runway edge at about 110 knots over the ground. The aircraft continued parallel to the runway, crossed a high-speed turnoff, uh, beginning to correct towards the runway, but came to a stop about 2,200 meters or 7,200 feet down the runway and about 21 meters or 70 feet to, to the left of the left runway edge. The aircraft was evacuated via slides. There were no injuries reported. The airline reported that the aircraft suffered a mishap during landing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. You think? That's an understatement. Uh, no serious injuries were being reported. Emergency protocols were immediately activated. The airport was closed. Panama's Civil Aviation Authority opened an investigation. The airline reported that the aircraft went off the runway upon landing. No injury. Okay. <laughs> Why do we keep repeating all these things? I don't know. Um, Tropical Storm Ian passed Panama City about 380 nautical miles north of the airport, according to the USA National Hurricane Center. But they claim that there was no influence uh, onto Panama City. There's a radar um, picture, enhanced radar uh, display showing, <coughs> excuse me, um, some con- uh, you know, some light convective activity around uh, the country of Panama and Panama City uh, around the time of the accident. So you know it was it was raining. I think we have some METAR information uh, from that time frame. Looks like light or no regular uh, level uh, thunderstorms, rain showers. 700 scattered, 1,600 um, scattered uh, cumulonimbus, 8,000 broken, 25 and 24 in the temperature dew point spread. And winds, again, pretty steady, uh, 110 at 11 knots. So not like a huge gusty crosswind or anything. A little bit of a crosswind, but nothing that any professional pilot can't handle. Um, I would imagine that this runway uh, – 10,006 feet long and 148 feet wide. Uh, I would imagine it's probably not grooved or doesn't have a porous friction overlay as many um, uh, runways uh, in the in that area of the world are uh, or or don't have whatever. Um, so you know you don't have a lot of. Well, I take that back. Now I'm looking at this picture of the. Uh, of the crane that's coming over uh, in the recovery effort. And it does look like there are grooves uh, etched into the runway. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, most certainly, yes. So take that back. I guess they do have some, uh, uh, it is a grooved runway, which definitely helps disperse. That's groovy. Uh, rainwater. Yes, very groovy. 
Liz. Now, interestingly, they uh, had a reverse of lockdown. Yeah, that was what I was going to mention next. Why don't you tell us about yeah. that, Nick? Well, they got airborne with uh, a, an unserviceable reverser. So their MEL, minimum equipment list, uh, allowed them to fly with uh, a reverser out, so long as obviously you check uh, your landing distance requirements at your destination and make sure you can get in there without uh, using reverses, although almost all calculations regarding landing distance, uh, you don't um, include the reverser. Reverser is a bonus. Um, you'd normally just rely on the brakes. Uh, and if you get the reverses, so much the better. So they went there with uh, out reverses. Uh, the, <laughs> the description I found most odd because... Um, Me too. <laughs> ...said, uh, yeah, they the crew applied, and this is, um, they said, uh, that after they felt a different sensation, so they've, they've landed on the right-hand side of the runway, um, they felt a vibration as if a tire had burst. Uh, the, the aircraft developed a strong yaw to the left. So they're on the right-hand side, they're pointing left, and the crew applied right-hand rudder, without success in other words i don't think it means they tried to put the rudder on and they weren't successful it means i think the right hand rudder wasn't successful in stopping the swing and activated the thrust reverser on the number one engine now that's on the side that they're drifting off and <laughs> bearing in mind the thrust is in the opposite direction to where it normally goes it's going to make the situation a little worse uh it will obviously aid a little in um helping to slow down but reverses are at the most efficient uh, when you're at high speed uh, not at the lower end of the speed range uh, they they do provide some assistance but not nearly as much as they do you re if you're going to use it you really need to have it again in at the beginning of the landing roll yeah. um so I, I thought that was an odd um thing to do perhaps uh, perhaps I it might suggest that they had felt that they were running out of room i don't know Although they seem to have gone off the runway only about halfway down, they, or they certainly, yeah, yeah, they 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 went a considerable distance, right, uh, on on the grass before they ground to a halt. That did give them a little bit more friction, I suppose. But I I yeah. did the same thing, Nick. When I read this, I'm thinking, well, wh why would why would they use the left? I mean, it's the only operable thrust reverser, yes, but that's just going to make things worse in my mind. Yeah. If I yeah, as you just mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, and I don't know what um, restrictions the 737 has on uh, using just one reverser. Uh, I know on the Airbus we were uh, we were okay to use them in certain circumstances, but not every circumstance. So, uh, and this looks like it was very wet. I mean, despite the fact that it was a groove runway, uh, it does look extremely soggy there. So there is a chance that uh, they were aquaplaning um, and that, uh, you know, might the situation might not have been made any better by using that reverser. Yep. Yeah, that's a head scratcher for sure. So mm. anyway, hopefully we'll maybe get an update, a uh, pre preliminary report or something in the future where we can kind of... I'll keep Try to, we'll keep our eyes and ears open, as we like to say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, continuing on, we've got a nice nice pace going here today. Um, final report. Uh, this is from uh, the Aviation Herald as well. Uh, a Transcarga, Transcarga, 
Okay. International Airlines Airbus A300-B4 Freighter. Registration Yankee Victor 560 Tango. Performing flight uh, 1527 from Bogota, Colombia to Caracas, Venezuela. Was accelerating for takeoff from Bogota's runway 31 right when a loud explosion could be heard far into the surrounding city. A large (laughs) doesn't bode well. (laughs) No, (laughs) a large metallic piece landed on the roads of Bogota at the crossing of Calais 63 and Carrera 103, missing a motorcycle driver by about 10 meters. The crew rejected takeoff due to the failure of the left hand engine, a CF 6, and brought the aircraft to a safe standstill. There were no injuries. There was almost one with that motorcycle guy. Yes, it's true. Um, Columbia's uh, GRIAA reported that they have opened an investigation to determine the causes of and damage caused by the occurrence when parts of the left engine of the A300 were ejected. The aircraft had just begun its takeoff run when the crew rejected the takeoff. The graphic there that we're seeing, you can see the very end of the runway there, and it wasn't long after they had started applying power to the engine that the uh, incident occurred, you know, pretty close to the start of their takeoff roll. Um, Initial investigation by the investigators dispatch on site verified that a rotor disc had been ejected. That's not supposed to happen. Impacted one of the runway safety meshes and subsequently collided with the door of a workshop located in an area surrounding the airport. Uh, Again, there were no injuries. Um, let's see, it goes into a little bit more detail. Uh, they were preparing for takeoff from three, one, right at the threshold, the crew accelerated the engines to about 75% thrust when a loud bang occurred and the left-hand engine shut down the aircraft taxied back to the apron on its own using the right-hand engine. The GRIAA recovered debris or debris from the runway and surrounding areas. No, surrounding areas. <laughs> uh, no, it's surrounding. Uh, misspelling. Uh, maximum <laughs> distance 400 meters, with the most distant part having been the low pressure turbine section. Turbine section. The occurrence was rated a serious incident. The report uh, concludes that the probable cause of the serious incident were failure of the left hand engine caused by fatigue loosening the low-pressure turbine blades. Uh, Contributing factors were non-compliance with maintenance procedures by the operator by not complying with the manufacturer's requirements laid out in FAA Airworthiness Directive 2012-27, issued on November 1st, 2012, which required the replacement of the blades. The lack of an effective supplier verification program at the operator and the lack of supervision and verification of boroscopic results, which did not permit to identify and apply corrective measures to the erosion found on the tips of the blades during the previous inspection, carried out seven cycles before the occurrence. Okay, so the the compliance with an airworthiness airworthiness directive and inspection uh, didn't happen. Liz is telling me that the uh, airline is a um, Venezuelan, Venezuelan uh, registered so airline. Not getting many parts. And, and yeah, yeah, the 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 economic situation and uh, sanctions and such put in place may have you know kept them from getting the, the required parts to fix this issue. I don't know. That's a 
IHAL Boxes has a good point here. IHAL Boxes and our live audience says, when the aircraft parts go knocking on the maintenance shop door themselves. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, something's yeah, wrong. Well done. Please help. Yeah. Help me. Maintain Absolutely. me. Now, uh, that's a pretty big piece of kit to come flying out of the yeah. engine. Uh, and then, of course, it's rotating fast. So when it hits the ground, it's going to skip off like a, yeah. you know, a spare tire that's come <laughs> off your car uh-huh. and that motorcyclist uh, if it had hit him i think he would have been uh it would have not uh, been a happy situation Mm-mm. but uh you know just uh, just absolute negligence from the uh the company uh if they had been uh, uh told that they were required to do inspections and they weren't carried out in accordance with the manufacturer's requirements uh, then that is pretty awful um yep. and you know uh, it, it it gave way at only 75% power, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, if it had been at full power, it might have been even worse. It's a good thing it happened where it happened. Uh, yeah. You know, on the, uh, still so. on the ground at a very low speed. And good that, of course, it didn't hit anybody, as you mentioned. But okay. it does worry you, me that these cowboys are getting everywhere. Oh yeah, we're our influence on the world of aviation is is, is yeah, spreading extensive. Yes. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! I that's for that sure. Is in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How do you say yeehaw in Spanish? Uh, ole, ole. <laughs> okay. From Bass Aviation, Real Aviation Communications. Tower Delta Twenty Seventy Six. Delta Twenty Seventy Six. We just got a report from the back that we have a potentially incapacitated passenger, and it's likely we'll be returning to the gate, but uh, we'll let you know when we get confirmation. Delta 2076, roger that. Just keep me advised and what assistance you need. And uh, if that's the case, we'll just try to get us any patient information in what gate, and we'll uh, work on that for you. We'll advise. Thank you. That was, I don't know about you, Nick, but that was amazing, that response from air traffic control. I mean, uh, like, oh yeah, very helpful. Yeah, no, I mean, really, <laughs> not used I mean, to like, that. Yeah, it's just like uh, usually all those little things that he just said are come in little bits and pieces, uh, but he just very concisely said, "This is what we're going to do. This is the information we need from you." And man, I, I was impressed with that. Yeah, absolutely. Tower Delta twenty seventy six. Delta twenty seventy six. Delta 2076, we've got to go back to the gate. We've confirmed that that passenger was vaping, so he's got to get off anyway, and it uh, doesn't sound like we need medical assistance at this time. Just- Delta 2076, roger that. Make a left turn, taxi on to runway 7 left at Echo 3. Left turn and on to 7 left at Echo 3, Delta 2076. Delta 2076, I'm going to go ahead and change your proposed time to one hour from now uh, so your flight plan stays in the system. Appreciate it, 2076. Wow. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, this guy's on fire. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's amazing. Delta 2076 at Echo 3, cross runway 7 left, then turn left onto Foxtrot. At Echo 3, cross 7 left, then left on Foxtrot, Delta 2076. Delta 2076, what gate are you going back to? We're working on that now, Delta 2076. Delta 2076, hold short runway 7 left at Foxtrot 8. Hold short 7 left at Foxtrot 8, Delta 2076. 2076, hold short, runway 7 left at Foxtrot 6. Foxtrot 6, short of 7 left, Delta 2076. Just to clarify, Delta 2076, there's no uh, assistance needed. They just have to pull that guy off, right? As of now, yes, Delta 2076. 
up at 2076. If you come back out later and there's a lineup, just remind ground, hey, you were number one for departure. Can you be put back up at the front of the line? That's mighty kind of you. Love this guy. Wow. I think he likes that pilot. I think so. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to nominate him as controller of the year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. What Miami a guy. Rick's been down there training this guy. Oh, my uh, Liz thinks that Miami Rick may have something to do with this. He may have been down there training these air traffic controllers, how to talk to pilots. Oh, I thought, I thought he was, you were going to suggest he was down there vaping. <laughs> well, that may have no, been no, no. actually now that you <laughs> mention it, perhaps that was him. Yeah, he did tell us he had some kind of a problem on a flight recently. No. He I, did, yes. yes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, nothing. Neil's got a call. It's, it's, what does Neil say? They're going to pull him off? Wow. Great service. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> the thought yeah, did come to my mind and Liz's <laughs> as well. I, I, you should know uh, when they said that. But it never anyway. occurred to me. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Um, yeah, so... I was thinking to myself, okay, vaping, you know, smoking is not allowed. Um, so I did quickly look it up, and uh, the FAA says, um, let me quote, um, that, uh, well, first of all, it talks about electronic smoking devices containing lithium batteries pose a fire risk, and talking about the fact that you need to bring them on with you, but you need to take the batteries out and put these things into some kind of a case to make sure that they're all nice and safe. But they said, just as passengers are not allowed to smoke cigarettes on an aircraft, they should never use their vapes or e-cigarettes on an aircraft. It's not only dangerous, it's a federal offense. So just if in case you're wondering whether vaping is allowed or not on an aircraft, uh, no, it is not. I guess the vape would activate As a he smoke will discover. like regular smoke, I guess. Yeah. When he goes to court. Right, right. Um, so I think, though, to me, the the – the the thing that really stands out in this whole thing the takeaway the incre- yes thank you the takeaway uh w- the prior to takeoff the takeaway um mm-hmm. was that this air traffic controller was just awesome i mean I, just thinking about ball. his you know flight plan their flight plan keeping it open and everything else i'm thinking wow getting to the front of the line again getting and- to the front of the line you know i've never heard that before but that's what nice to hear <laughs> yeah Good to hear. Right, it's nice to see. Lovely to see, in fact. Yeah. A place I never got to uh, there. So uh, I wish I had now. Yeah. it's uh, Well, you know what, Nick? I'm going to get this uh, motorhome thing, and I'm going to be traveling all over the country, and you're more well, than you're welcome to with Rick. fly out. Well, I'm going to be living with Rick, you know, part-time. i gotta, I'm, <laughs> I got to spread my love, Liz. Of course, um, true. You'll but uh, we can, and, and and Nick can be with me, and we'll we'll when we're parking at Rick's house for six months out of the year, um, <laughs> right. and it's not that far from there to uh, Las Vegas. Is that what you were saying? You wanted to go to Las Vegas? No. Oh, I, I, I thought this was Philadelphia. No. No, this is actually Phoenix. <laughs> oh, Phoenix. I okay. think. Well, wasn't it? I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, PHX, I think it's Phoenix. It? Yeah, PHX. Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, well, you know. Looking forward to uh, doing some uh, American adventures. Yee-haw! In the, <laughs> the motorhome. Captain, incoming message. Oh, boy. Okay, so last episode, 
we had uh, a distinguished guest, uh, APG community member, in our live audience. And he is back in our live audience this week. He sent us in some feedback. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and play his audio feedback. And then just, after just before that, you do that, let's, yep. let's just put up the picture and we'll identify him first in the picture so everybody sees him before the video plays. Okay. Uh, Liz yeah. is going to put up a picture and we are going to identify uh, Mohammed uh, in this picture. He is the uh, good looking gentleman wearing the glasses, uh, nice sunglasses, and a, um, a, a suit jacket, a uniform jacket, and uh, looking all nice right in and the front. spiffy right in the front, just maybe just slightly left of center from our perspective. So that is Mohammed. And now we're going to hear his audio feedback. Hi there, APG Cruise. Thank you very much for your uh, warm welcoming to me on the last episode. Uh, that's really nice of you guys. I appreciate it. And um, my apologies for my absence. Um, it's uh, so, uh, a lot of personal uh, things happen. Nothing bad, mostly are actually mostly are positive. Um, a lot of social activities, hanging out with friends, some trips, family, um, festivals, things like this. So, uh, on uh, so on this feedback, let's uh, let me if you allow me to talk about. Uh, uh, let's say about news or about what's happening in Iraq or in Baghdad International Airport. Well, I would like to share with you something positive. Uh, we made a, a concert, we can say, or a party, I believe, yes. Party is much better. Uh, we made a party on Air Traffic Controller International Day, which is uh, uh, in 20, 20th, uh, 20th of October, okay? It's uh, ATC day. We uh, made a lot of celebration. Uh, we made a celebration. Sorry, we were uh, dancing and we were uh, celebrate this day. Uh, I will send you some photos and maybe videos. Um, I will upload it on the email. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the previous uh, Iraqi minister of transportation uh, and some Iraqi parliament members, some uh, Iraqi uh, Air Force uh, members, they, and higher ops, uh, the general uh, or the chief uh, um, Iraqi authority uh, civil aviation also, he was there. And uh, we danced, we uh, celebrate this day. We were very happy, uh, for sure. And... Uh, um, I think you will like it. Uh, I will send you. I will send you some photos and videos. I'm not sure if it will be uploaded here or not, uh, and hopefully you will like it. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for your moral support, guys. Uh, thanks for your uh, uh, appreciation and all that is uh, really touch my heart and I appreciate it and uh, I wish you well. All good. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Mohammed. Uh, very great feedback. Um, and uh, while English you were... English is great. Yeah, your English is great. I mean, 
so much better than my Iraqi or whatever language it is. <laughs> what, what is it that? Uh, Farsi. 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 There we go. I, I always get that wrong. Sorry. My Farsi is uh, non-existent. Um, but, uh, oh, look at this. Uh, he's saying in the chat room, he's a good dancer. Well, we'll be the do judges. You, do, yeah, we'll be the judge of that. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and, oh, I could have done this while we were listening to his audio feedback. Couldn't have I? Um, we're going to, we're going to see a couple of little video clips here. Hey, DC. <laughs> Did he say? APG. That's what he's saying, right? No. Sounds like it. Go again. Okay. Let me see. I'm pretty sure that's what. APG. Okay. Let's see. Here we go. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. I thought. Let me try this one. Ah, here are some. Here's some dancing. Oh, that's brilliant. Everybody's dancing. I love it. All right, and... He says it's a Kurdish dance. That was a Kurdish a dance. A Kurdish dance. Okay, one more. Uh, here's some more dancing. Yeah, I see him. Look at him. He is a good dancer. Very much so. This is uh, like square dancing, yeah? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I like the guys in the high-vis jacket. That's very good. Too. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Muhammad. That's uh, and you're right. I know, you know, you're, you're not really modest, uh, but uh, you are a good dancer. That's for sure. But now what was happening here though? (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Now Liz, we were, we agreed we weren't going to show that because this is when Muhammad got a little bit out of hand and that guy in the black shirt had to grab him and try to, you know, extricate him from the, from all the big party celebration. (laughs) Apparently. That's right. Bye bye Muhammad. Yeah. I love it. No, just kidding. Of course. <laughs> I'm sure he okay, behaved Nick, himself. Go to bed. Yeah, it's time for you, uh, Nick, to 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 go up to go to yeah, bed. Yeah, I'm afraid the after effects of this procedure today have caught up with me. I'm afraid I'm feeling a bit rough. Yeah, I need to go take some painkillers. And we'll uh, be in touch about down, the weekend. Okay. Well, uh, yes, uh, Liz is saying that we'll be in touch with you regarding when uh, we set up for uh, the uh, second part of uh, the show. Uh, and uh, those of you who are in our live chat room, uh, please uh, accept our apologies for not doing a full show today. But due to the circumstances, are you going to go do any more on your own? Or are you just going to? Oh, I don't know. Do you think I should? 
Um, yeah, I think you should just, crack, a cu- might do crack a couple on more. for a few more. Okay, yeah. so I'll crack on for a few more then. Okay. And I'll uh, just say Nick. goodbye for now. Okay, see you, Nick. Hopefully see you over the weekend. Hope Cheers. you feel better. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Now we have uh, some more feedback, this time, or this one, from Sam uh, Bolog, or Bolog. You need to let us know, Sam, exactly how to, how, how that's pronounced. Um he says, if you haven't seen the Three Stooges as pilots, watch the episode Dizzy Pilots. They are demonstrating a plane in hopes of selling it to the Army to avoid being drafted. I think you all get a laugh out of it, even if you're not a Stooge fan. And so we're going to go ahead and play a little bit of this. The Three Stooges. It's Jeff and Nick and Rick. It's Jeff and Nick and Rick. <laughs> Jeff, Nick, and Rick. Dizzy Pilots. And, okay, let's uh, fast forward a little bit here. Okay, so um, Draft Board has decided to extend to you a 30-day deferment for military service based on your claim that you have invented an airplane that will revolutionize flying. However, if at the end of 30 days you have not proven you your plane to be all what you claim it is, you'll be inducted into the service. And this is from the, uh, what did you say, Liz? Um, the Republic of Cannabier. The, oh, there you go at the up very the top. top. The Republic of Cannabier. <laughs> P.U. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I guess I could have let him yeah, read well, this whole thing. Okay. Oh, well. Um, the greatest plane ever made. Nobody ever thought of inventing a plane like ours. You said it, we're great inventors. Robert Fulton, Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Don Amici and us. <laughs> Don Amici. Okay, let's finish her up so we're flying we can go. A flying we will go. Okay. Just a little, I don't want to play too much because I don't nope, want to get any copyright strikes. And uh, yeah, so uh, we'll have a link to this um, this show, this Three Stooges episode. Uh, dizzy pilots uh, in the show notes when you are actually a- able to access the show access notes. Them, exactly. yeah. <laughs> We're having a little issue with that right now, little but we are working on it. <laughs> We're yep. hoping that uh, by the end of the day, we'll have that all worked well, out, see. hopefully. Okay. Uh, let's remove that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was just doing it at the same time. Uh, yep. Okay. Remove from the studio and let's uh, go back over. John to the next item from Brooke Brew Crafter John. It's not easy for me to say for some reason. Um, not a pilot, just an aviation geek whose fascination began in the late 60s, early 70s, sitting in my parents' car in the parking lot while they were in the base commissary at Norton Air Force Base and watching. Who knows? Might have even been Captain Jeff. No, not in the uh, 60s and early 70s. I was I was still a kid myself. Uh, when I flew into Norton, I was in the Air Force in 1981 through the end of 88, but flying the 141 uh, into Norton Air Force Base every now and then, probably in the uh, early to mid-80s. Anyway, um, the Starlifters running up their engines prior to take off the end of the runway right next to the parking lot was what he was watching. Alas, Norton is uh, long gone, but well, it's now what San Bernardino International. I think I've I've, I've flown a couple of uh, Mad Dogs into 
San Bernardino, now what used to be Norton Air Force Base, uh, on their on their retirement flights. Um, anyway, uh, the base itself, though, the Air Force presence is long gone. But who knows, maybe now Miami Rick or IHAL boxes are the ones I see flying in and out since SBD is now an air cargo and periodically an air tanker hub. Uh, I also currently live in pretty close proximity to the end of the runway at EAA chapter number one and frequently get to see a plane that Nick Camacho might be familiar with, the D-Day doll flying over. It really rattles the roof tiles, so neat. Anyhow, this week's tragedy of Hurricane Ian, yeah, we've had this feedback for a while, made me reflect on a couple of items. I know that altimeters rely on the principle that barometric pressure drops as altitude increases in a fairly standard formula. But what about those incredible pilots? Cue the cowboy sound effect. You mean this one? Yeehaw! All right. Um, That fly hurricane hunter aircraft obtaining valuable weather data. Not being a pilot, I would think that the dramatically lower pressures found in such weather systems and the extreme variability in pressures flying through the system might make altimeter readings pretty variable. But then again, since one of the factors they're measuring is barometric pressure, maybe they compensate as they go. Seems complicated. Honestly, you know, the the main, I think this is Jeff speaking, the most important thing about making sure that you have a proper uh, barometric altimeter setting is when you're getting close to the ground, you don't want to fly into it. Mm-hmm. And also when you're flying around other airplanes. Now, most pilots out there have more sense than these uh, hurricane hunter cowboys. Yeehaw! So we don't get anywhere near these darn hurricanes <laughs> and the eyes and all that kind of stuff. We stay away. So there's probably not See much. See and avoid. Yeah, uh, see and avoid. Very, very true, Liz. Um, So we, you know, I don't think you need to really worry about too much about the calibration or adjustment of barometric pressure um, when you're going through through a hurricane eye wall. That's just me. But anyway, uh, I've only had the syndrome since about the tequila tower episode. So has Captain Nick ever done an old pilot's plane tale about these pilots, their planes, and their mission? I don't, I don't believe so. Has he? I don't think he has. Yeah. Well, go, go have a look. But I Yeah, Liz so. is going to uh, do a search on that. Uh, but I don't believe I recall uh, Nick having done a plane tale about uh, the Hurricane Hunters. Uh, thank you. I enjoy listening to you, to you all during my hours-long SoCal commute to work to help create and distribute IPAs and other fine craft ales and lagers. Brewcrafter John. Wow. I love that. Maybe you could distribute some IPAs over here in Roswell. Well, that's kind of a long way to go from Southern California, isn't it? Yeah. They might notice that you're gone for a while. You might be out in Southern California in the uh, RV though. Yeah, that's true. Liz is mentioning that it's possible that when I'm doing my uh, gallivanting around in the uh, uh, in my uh, nomad uh, lifestyle in the uh, motorhome, uh, it's very possible that I could be out in uh, Southern California. Maybe do a meetup or two while I'm out there. Looking forward to that uh, life. Didn't see anything on hurricane hunters in the plane tales. And there. Liz says yeah. that she didn't see any uh, mention of hurricane hunters in the plane tales index. So mm-hmm. there you go. 
but hey, it might be a good Maybe and couple, interesting thing more. to uh, for him yeah. to uh, cover at some point. We'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah. let's do a few more, uh, Liz. More. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh, JJ Pittsburgh. Yes, JJ Pittsburgh, not JJ not yeah. Pittsburgh. Okay. Right. Yeah. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Greetings, APG crew. It's JJ Pittsburgh here. I just stepped out of the gym and I was thinking about it. For all the commercial pilots in the crew, when you're out on the road on trips, what is your normal workout routine if you do have any? Um, I was curious about that because you know me at this point, I do so many road trips that I generally just will hit up the local Planet Fitness Um, because there's locations pretty much everywhere. They're kind of like a Starbucks at this point. They're like on every corner, so which is great. So any city I'm in, um, I could hop into the gym and get my, you know, blood flowing. Because once again, I am like sitting in the car a lot on these trips. And it's nice to kind of like, you know, just keep moving whenever I'm in a certain location. So I was curious about that because you guys are cooped up in the cockpit on these trips thought you might hit up the gym and I was curious about that or maybe you just hit up the uh, hotel gym so anyway I was just thinking about that another little tidbit of um, life for an airline pilot and inquiring minds want to know so anyway hope all is doing well Um, as for me I'm just plugging along working on some of my music stuff I look forward to sharing that with you guys whenever we work it out. Me and my buddy Doug are working on some stuff. So I'm going to have quite a setup coming up. And, uh, you know, heck, maybe maybe I'll write a uh, song about Dr. Steph. Who knows? Anyway, um, peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Thank you, JJ Pittsburgh, for sending in more audio feedback. It was great seeing you at Oshkosh, by the way. That was a, that was a good time. Uh, so great question. Um, so as you know, I'm quite a bodybuilder, just like uh, Miami Rick. In fact, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't really like like to flaunt it, you know, around, no, especially around bragging. my, because no, it would make him feel bad. Um, yep. No, obviously, <laughs> Miami Rick is the guy that, uh, you know, is working out all the time. I, on the other hand, I kind of uh, subscribe to the theory, you only have a limited number of heartbeats in, in this life, and I don't want to waste any. You're saving them. Yeah. I'm saving them up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not a big uh, going to the gym and working out kind of guy. I, when I was younger, I used to go out on layovers and and uh, go for runs and that kind of thing. But um, it wasn't long after I started flying for the airlines that my knees were – actually, it was even before I started flying for the airlines that uh, while I was still in the uh, Air Force, my knees were telling me, uh, stop, please stop, because – you're hurting these joints. Ouch, um, so, um, yeah, a, a lot of, um, pilots though do, uh, I'd say if I were just to give a rough estimate of, from the people that I fly with, probably something close to 50% of the people that I fly with, um, end up, uh, you know, like doing some kind of a workout, at least one of the layovers of, let's say we have two layovers on a three day trip, um, and, uh, in most cases they will seek out, uh, the, the place that's closest and, you know, most convenient, which is usually the hotel gym. Um, and, 
Uh, I guess there are some hotels that have better gyms than other and the, the equipment they like to use and that kind of thing. But um, as I said, I'm, I'm not an expert at this, so uh, I am not definitely not the guy to ask. I think uh, Miami Rick uh, would be definitely the one to answer this question. I haul boxes in our live audience says he said, I'm usually so fatigued. I swim around a bit and do a mini workout, but I can feel my heart rate shoot up immediately the afternoon after flying all night. I bet you can. Yeah. Um, honestly for me, uh, at my, uh, advanced age, um, you know, running is not really a thing. I know there are people my age and older that run, but, uh, walking is something that actually I, I used to do quite a bit, uh, go for long walks and that kind of thing. But I haven't, I've been bad. I haven't been doing much of that either. I've been, uh, a very, uh, sedentary, uh, existence for, for a while, uh, mainly because of just things happening in my life at present, but hopefully life. at some point, um, I'll get back into a good routine of, uh, taking long walks. Um, I do when I'm on trips, uh, instead of taking the, the train, between concourses and that sort of thing. I try to just do it uh, walking uh, between uh, concourses and, you know, try to get my steps in and all that, even though I don't really pay attention to how many steps I've done. Even though I have a Apple watch, I've never actually, I'm not even sure how you find that on your watch. I never look no, at no, it. I uh, but I'm, so I'm not a big step person, but I do try to, you know, get, keep, keep mobile and, and, you know, relatively, um, you know, non sedentary when I can, uh, but you know, when you're flying airplanes for a living, especially like uh, I haul boxes, I think he flies long haul. Uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but the uh, the long haul um, really does um, take a toll on you. Uh, and at as night, far as sitting I think there really and at flying at night, yeah, you're right. Uh, is is definitely something that uh, is kind of hard on your physical uh, person. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'd say about, there are, there are occasions where I've heard guys say that, um, the, the hotel gym is uh, either non-existent or so bad that, um, they seek out like a planet fitness or a LA fitness or gold's gym or one of these, um, chains that are around the country. And in fact, some hotels actually have agreements with some of these local gyms mm -hmm. where you can, you know, it's not quite as convenient as working out in the hotel gym, but, uh, you, you can, you know, find a place that has more, uh, advanced equipment and more of a, a variety of things to work out with and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, basically what I'm saying is JJ, uh, I don't know. I don't do any of it. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, sit and edit podcasts and get ready for the next one. And, uh, then walk out and drink beer and eat barbecue and sing. Yeah. Singing, you know, it's, it's kind of yeah, exercise, yeah. not very strenuous though. Yeah. Good lung capacity. Good yeah. Lung. I do work on my lung capacity for sure. All right. Uh, so thank you, JJ for the question. And you know what? I think we're going to keep that one. We're going to set it aside yep. and maybe bring it back up again when uh, Rick is with us. Right. Um, Greg Peterson. See. Greg Peterson. Okay. Want to just do this one more and then, uh, yeah, call and then it, we'll, call we'll it quits for today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Greg, uh, who used to be, uh, he says your formerly big ass fan, Greg Patterson, a uh, Patterson, <laughs> Peterson, what are you doing, Jeff? Um, but he's now our, uh, big ass crane guy, 
because he works for a company mm-hmm. that makes very large cranes. Um, he says, just finished listening to episode 539. Love the discussion with Rick about the jet engines. Uh, as a former employee of GE Aviation, I did two co-op tours there during college. I'm partial to the GE engines myself. I personally love the GE 90 and the GE 9X, and I'm working on a 3D printed model based on the GE 9X layout. Nerd! Nerd <laughs> I've spoken to some other airline pilots that have flown both GE and Pratt & Whitney engines, and like Rick, they generally seem to like the GE engines better just from an operational standpoint. They have said that the GE engines seem to have more power and are much easier to operate. I would love to get back to working with engines and have applied for numerous jobs with the airlines working in their engine power plant propulsion uh, departments. Uh, seems every airline calls it something different. And I patiently await the call for an interview. As far as the future of jet engines, I think it's time to look a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Cue the Star Wars theme song here. Okay, just everybody think about it, because I'm not going to play that. It'll definitely be a copyright strike. I think they had it figured out. One engine that would not only work in the atmosphere of a planet, but would also propel you through hyperspace just as effectively. We need to figure out the propulsion of ships like the X-Wings for GA and regional jets, the Millennium Falcon for your standard narrow-body 737 or A320 family jet, and the Imperial Star Destroyers for your wide-body and long-haul jets. I kid, but in all seriousness, I don't see the high-bypass gas turbine, turbine engine going away in our lifetime, but I agree that we are coming up against the limitation of known engineering materials and research should be conducted, not only on making the current engines more efficient and environmentally friendly, but also on new materials and technology to provide an engine for the future. I'm sure greater minds than mine are hard at work at General Electric Aviation, Pratt & Whitney, Rolls-Royce, and the myriad other smaller engine manufacturers looking for the next great engine technology. Blue skies, tailwinds, and relaxing layovers to all. Again, your formerly big-ass fan, Greg Peterson. Good to hear from you, Greg. Has has been a while since I've uh, made it up to Lexington, so hopefully uh, sometime soon in the future and we'll go out and have have another nice meal together and uh always good to hear from you um that'll be it for part one yeah i think that's going to be it for part we do have um a little bit later in our feedback segment which we'll do in part two uh some feedback regarding our our um uh, our questioning or or um yeah our wondering about rocket engines and you know how to Mm-hmm. Uh, how to use them or how to make them more efficient and the whole the whole thing about um, you have to carry your own oxidizer with you because obviously in space you don't have oxygen in in the atmosphere because there's mm-hmm. no atmosphere so uh, we'll play that um, a little bit later in the show and up on skype now all right thank you uh, Liz is hanging up on skype and she's going to join me that ah, there she is She's back with me in the video, and uh, thank you so much for helping me out again on uh, part one, Liz. Anytime. And Anytime. Uh, so we'll let you guys know what we come up with for the weekend. Exactly, uh, it's kind of a it's it's a moving target, dynamic right now. environment, a dynamic environment, and you know, 
uh, flexibility is the key to air power, they say. Uh, so we'll uh, try to get everybody together in some kind of a meeting meeting, and uh, try to come up with a daytime this weekend where we, as many of us as possible, can get together and we can finish up some of this great or and it all may just of it, be Jeff and Nick again. Who knows? Yeah, it might just be, uh, yeah, uh, Captain Nick and I. Well, that's right. I don't have to repeat what you're saying. Now you're here with me in the video. People yeah, can hear sorry. you. <laughs> no, don't apologize. It's just I'm so used to this thing where I'm the only one that can hear you. And then I went, oh, that's right. Everybody else can hear you too. All right. Um, Anyways, very good. Thanks for joining us. Everybody. Yeah. Thanks everyone for uh, being with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Bye. Bye for now. Yes, it's that time of the show where we get to get all caught up with what everybody has been up to between shows. And let's see, who should uh, who wants to volunteer to start this week's Getting to Know Us segment? Uh, Nick Camacho. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> your voice changed. Nick Camacho, uh, how you done, how you been doing, man? Yeah, sure. Uh, been it's been pretty busy around here. We had. Um, uh, Halloween on Monday, so that was fun. Uh, my son is heavily into uh, Top Gun, has led him into aviation a little more actively than he has been interested in, in it in the past. Cool. Good. So I told my wife that this is her, if you wanted to dress up as a pilot, this would be her one and only chance for me to <laughs> be involved in a family costume picture. <laughs> so we dressed up as a little fleet of pilots. We had... Uh, um, all four of us dressed up in flight suits and my son had a little fighter pilot pictures. on and yeah, yeah I should have given, given you pictures, but I did, uh, not, <laughs> I did not think about it. Well, I do here. Uh, let me see if I can notes. find it. For the show notes. Um, yeah. Oh, I found Keep it. Talking, Nick. Yeah. So that oh. was, uh, that was fun. The weather was amazing. Um, it was like a perfect, uh, night temperature wise. Uh, and it was clear and beautiful, so it was uh, a lot Lovely. of fun. Um, Trick-or-treating, and then beyond that, it's just been a pretty hectic couple of weeks at work. Um, so trying to push through a couple of big things happening at work, hopefully get get uh, over that hurdle next week. Uh, got a couple of uh, short little local flights in in the Luscombe in the past couple of weeks, but that's about the extent of the flying that I've done. Oh, great one. <laughs> yep. Love it. And it's uh, awesome. Yeah. And then the other big thing was I had my uh, written test for the power plant scheduled for yesterday. And that was the initial cause of me not being able to uh, join the early portion of the show. And unfortunately got tied up with work stuff the last uh, couple of days of the, of the uh, work week. So had to push that to next week. So hoping to get that done Monday or Tuesday of next week and then get my work stuff squared away by the middle of next week and then maybe things will slow down a bit. Probably not, but maybe. We'll see. There's always hope. Somebody has an aggressor patch, don't they, on their flight suit there? An aggressor patch. One of your patch. kids? Sorry? An, an aggressor patch? Yeah, it looks like it. That, uh, that patch... Uh, on your older, older youngster. Older son? He has yeah, a top, looks, it's a Top Gun patch. 
Is that is oh, okay? It's, it's like the actual similar fighter weapon school patch that they wear in the movie. All right, so oh, I got okay. him that, and we made you know on my little laser, I made him name tags. There's some some uh, website like call sign Jordan's generator. A babe. So everyone else got call signs. My older son is high tech, which you can see on his helmet, and you can't really read the name tags. But uh, my wife was Eclipse, and my younger son is Hype. Brilliant. Well yep. done. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Good looking family. Yeah, you you do have a good looking family for sure. Okay. Let's see. Now I can go back over here and get rid of this. I remove from stream and uh, stop screen sharing. There we go. Actually, I've got a question. Um, I was just looking through Facebook, and it seems in the States that uh, a lot of people don't go to visit houses. They sort of have a um, – do it in a car park. Like uh, trunk with or people. treat? It wouldn't work yeah. in the UK and I'm trying that to would work have to be out. boot or treat, and that doesn't <laughs> – Yeah. But, I mean, uh, what has brought that on? <laughs> like, what, are people frightened about going around to other people's houses? Safety, yeah, primarily. Yeah, I, I think it's just safety. Well, and knowing – and so a lot of times it's done at school, so people – it's mm -hmm. with their friends, and they all know each other, and then the adults know each other, and they can stand uh, around and – Or churches. I th always churches, thought it was weird yeah. that we went to a, a church one for a little while, but um, – and a lot of cities are uh, and smaller communities are doing like in the downtown area. I was in uh, Madison last week, like in the middle of the week. It wasn't even close to Halloween, but it was like a Wednesday or something. And uh, and there were people dressed up in costumes. And then we walked into the place we were going to eat, a little Greek restaurant. And the guy's sitting there with a big bowl of candy and kids were coming up. And I'm thinking, what? what's going on? <laughs> it's like the Frank to, 28th of uh, October. Yeah, Frank, what's going on? Well, I mean, it just happened to be in Wisconsin. But I think that this happens a lot of different communities around the country. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly when that transition occurred. Uh, but because when I was a kid, which was a long time ago, <laughs> is, uh, you know, we we went house to house and that, that sort of thing. Um, so I don't know. I guess they they still do that? Maybe just not they as do. much? That happens yeah. in my neighborhood. I yeah. mean, We'd, not as much, but yeah. Well. Yeah. But for the eighth year in a row, I've had exactly zero trick-or-treaters. Mm. Oh, bummer. Well, it's because well, they house. found out about you. It, <laughs> Steph's house is a little challenging. <laughs> my house is challenging to to. and hidden, and, which I love <laughs> this feature about my house. <laughs> it means I'm not disturbed very often. It also means that, you know, delivery drivers like... Amazon and UES and things like that and FedEx just leave stuff in the middle. Of they the have somewhere. it's at all all over the place. I have to like search my neighbors' front yeah. doors and we put it in that backyard. Bush yeah, that's a lot of times now they take a picture at least. So I'm like, yeah, hmm, yeah. What okay. is that? <laughs> Whose house is that? Where what? do I have to track to, to find that? my stuff? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love it. Just build a box uh, out by the street. Yeah, I um I uh, sang at my oh no. Well, I can, I can talk about that later. But anyway, um, yeah, I wasn't well, Why don't home. you carry on? Well, why don't I? Okay. Uh, on ha hey, All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, um, sang at, uh, at a mass, at, a, at a, the All Saints' Day Vigil Mass. And then I stayed away from the house, made sure. Actually, when I left my house, I left the uh, lights on here in the kitchen. And I was driving. I got about halfway there. I'm thinking, hmm. That's not good because they're going to maybe think that somebody's home at the house mm. and people are going to be disappointed when nobody answers the door. So I turned back around. It was in the middle of traffic too. But anyway, it was worth 
coming back, turning off the light so that at least there were no lights on in the house and people would go, yeah, it's got a for sale sign and there are no lights on. So let's skip this. <laughs> now, one. Is that we because you were worried it. about people tricking your house, so like throwing eggs at it or, yeah. or breaking the windows? Or I guess. Something? Yeah, I just that. And also, <laughs> I didn't want people to be dis- disappointed. It's you know, mostly disappointment. It sucks yeah. when you're a kid and you walk up to the house and the lights are all on and then nobody answers the door and you don't know how so long you, you should stand and wait. The door in. It's like very uncomfortable. No. Yeah. <laughs> so after the okay. after the mass, we uh, so I thought, well, I'm just going to go over to Marlowe's Tavern, uh, one of the local places here in Roswell that I really enjoy going to, and uh, and then uh, the director, uh, I guess her husband teaches at Georgia State, and uh, has classes until ten o'clock, and and uh, she said, you want to get get something to eat for dinner? I said, yeah, I'm going to go over here to Marlowe's Tavern. Tavern, you can be my date. So we had a very nice meal over there. And uh, yeah, so that was my All Hallows Eve. And then the next day sang at um, All Saints Day at the church. And then um, what? Then the next day I had, it was weird. It was a weird week because I am kind of purposely not picking up trips because I'm trying to leave enough room or margin in my schedule so that I can pick up some of these uh, charters that uh, are oh, yeah, that uh, available that uh, I can bid, but I know that I don't have to fly them, but I get paid for them anyway. <laughs> it's a long story. It's part of the contract. And if I don't pick them up, then somebody junior to me will, and they'll, they'll get that good deal. So I would rather get the good deal. So I, I've been, it's just been an odd existence for me because usually I'd be like, okay, I got to pick up something to fly this week to fill up my schedule. Yeah, but you just happened to find a couple of those charters. But I that? did. Uh, yes. Liz, you're correct. I did. I did find a couple of those things, and I'm still waiting for the the charter uh, flights that I can pick up and not fly for um, the weekend of the 18th and 19th. Um, so it's just a kind of a weird kind of existence for me. But I did pick up a, a green slip. A quick, in fact, right after we recorded part one on Thursday. Um, and, you know, it's a good thing we only did a part one, I mean, a short part one, because after I was finished with that and packing everything up. And you didn't drink beer. And I didn't have anything to drink, which is a very unusual, uncommon thing for me not to have a glass of wine or a bottle of beer or something. And uh, so I, I had not for whatever reason. And then I got a text from uh, my fr- favorite first officer, Brent, and he said, hey, do you have a green slip in? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, maybe I'll see you tonight. And I said, what? And he said that uh, there was a trip that he was just assigned to fly that night to Wilmington, North Carolina, and then fly back on uh, yesterday afternoon, Friday afternoon. And so I kept looking, kept waiting. I'm thinking now they must be doing something else with the captain part of that. And then it uh, notified me that um, Green Slip uh, was available. And I went, yes. And then I thought, oh. I'm not packed. I don't have my uniform ready. I don't have, I mean, this is like, I just, <laughs> ah, with my hair on fire. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> and then, you know, all this stuff is set up right here on my countertop and I got about half of it put away. And then I think, yeah, what the heck if they, if they want to show the house, then, oh, well, um, but they didn't. Uh, so, um, uh, then I got a call from scheduling that said, yeah, just wondering, cause it, it was pretty tight. The amount of time that we had from notification of the trip to when the trip was, you know, leaving. And, and he said, I'm just trying to get an idea of when you might be showing up at the airport. 
And I think he was pleased that I told him I would be there before departure time. So um, I, I texted Brent and said, I think you have a head start on me, so I expect everything to be done. I'm just going to sit down, we're going to run a checklist, and then we're going to push back. Seems like a uh, pretty low <laughs> threshold for an airline to expect their captain to show up before the departure time of the flight, Jeff. It is a very low threshold. That's the nice thing about these green slip, like short notice things. They understand that, um, or even a white, you know, just a, a last minute trip assignment. Um, grateful. They, they, you know, are yeah. They're just as as Liz just said. They're grateful to have somebody actually respond and and show up to fly the thing. So, um, and I don't know, a lot of people that I, uh, I've met, uh, they don't get really too concerned about taking their time and just showing up whenever they show up. But I, I don't like that. I mean, I know that there are passengers waiting and they're expecting that flight to operate when it says it's supposed to operate. And I just hate, you know, disappointing people and making people wait. So I try to make every effort that I can to you know get there. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> right stuff. Um, um, passive aggressive yeah. people. Discussion yeah. for another day. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, this is not a psychological pilot guy therapy show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, anywho, so that's what I did. I, I went overnight uh, to Wilmington and uh, had a had a great uh, breakfast there yesterday. And Wilmington's a really, really nice little town, and the weather was great. And if, if anything, it was almost a little bit too warm. It was like in the 80s mm. yeah. uh, yesterday. It's warm here. Yeah. And then uh, just one flight back uh, in the afternoon. And then uh, when I got back, it was like about a little after 4 o'clock, and I'm, think, I'm looking at the traffic. It's Friday afternoon, traffic, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, not good. Um, so I thought, hmm, maybe I'll just go over to this little place called the Paper Plane um, a little Thai place, um, close to the airport. I'll just go over there, have an appetizer and just hang out, let the traffic subside a bit before I, I head home. So that's what I did. Isn't that a, just amazing, that uh, incredibly active, full of adventure <laughs> life that I live Sounds pretty good to me. You did more than I did. Thrilling. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) It all depends on your perspective. Yeah, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, then, Nick, what what did you do between? I'm not not talking about between now and part one. (laughs) I mean, like Uh, the uh, the last uh, episode. uh, All right. Well, perhaps I I could explain my uh, early departure from part one. Mm. Um, So the week has. Uh, as being okay, I, I went and uh, got a DJ, uh, which uh, now Steph and um, Disc Jockey? Captain Jeff will <laughs> know what that is because we talked about it on the last show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I got myself a, a new dinner jacket, my old one, being a, uh, a, a Chinese uh, knockoff <laughs> one that I got on a Shanghai trip from the, um, the tailor's market, which cost me about, I don't know, uh, 20 bucks um but uh <laughs> i mean it's it's like uh it's for hard to describe but you know the bits of a suit that are supposed to be uh stiff uh now, now, i know you're gonna 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 take this the wrong way jeff no, no. But, you know the, like the uh, lapels show, ladies and gentlemen they don't flop family around show. do they they're supposed to sit there nicely and mm-hmm. you've got a little bit of shoulder padding well th- this was <laughs> 
this was just like floppy, <laughs> the floppiest DJ I've ever had. Anyway, so it's not very good. So I've got myself a new one because I have an occasion coming up uh, where I'm giving an after-dinner speech at uh, uh, in December uh, to uh, I'm talking about things aviation to a motorcycle club. So I needed that. Um, what else I've done? Uh, oh yeah, of course. Uh, the, the doctor wanted me to have a uh, uh, a scan of my intestines, uh, which is not. We uh, all want that. Yeah, exactly right. You know, <laughs> so uh, I had to go show? for a CT scan, uh, and uh, it, the scan itself is fine. It's it's the two days of special diet, the one day of evacuating your. Um, 11 feet of elementary canal uh, that is the unpleasant side along with what they inject uh, into your intestines through the wrong end um, when you're about to do the scan. Evacuate! (laughs) (laughs) Did the slides come out? This is an emergency. Evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. Yeah, um, which is... Uh, not very pleasant. Um, so those of you who've been through a procedure similar to that, I, you'll understand. Those of you who haven't, well, clench your cheeks and hope Get it ready. never happens. Um, so that just left me feeling a bit rough uh, on uh, the show uh, yesterday. So anyway, that, that accounted for my swift disappearance. I'd had enough, <laughs> sadly. Um, now, it, nothing might... <laughs> Nothing much else happened. Uh, Coming up, what have I got? Uh, uh, Just, oh, we got, um, my lovely wife and I, we've only got two Hungarian Vieslers, so we have been yearning to get back up to three, which is our usual state of affairs. And it looks like there might be a a young uh, girl Wiesler, who, who is looking for a new home. So we're off to meet them on Monday. So we'll see how that turns out. Can't say any more uh, because, of course, it may not. Um, but uh, that's an interesting thing I'm looking forward to. And um, next week is also the annual F4 Phantom TDPU. Um, so um, that's going to be brilliant. Um, that a TDPU is an Air Force acronym for um, a, an event that you tell your boss you're going on, making it sound like something very official that requires your urgent attention. So you uh, go off to, I've got a phantom TDPU to go to, boss. Oh, okay, off you go. Uh, oh, and I mean, kind of like stands- uh, Dr. Steph's conferences. Yeah, yeah, very similar. It actually stands for, for <laughs> <laughs> it actually stands for thinly disguised piss up. So oh. uh, it means that we, and it's on a Friday afternoon because that's when all the Ministry of Defence, the guys who service guys who are working in the Ministry of Defence, they get off early on a Friday, they can come to the pub. So it's held in a pub not far from the Ministry of Defence in London. <laughs> So we are going to get together with, you know, all the old uh, F4 guys uh, from all around the uh, UK and Germany who used to serve and uh, have a few jars in a very large pub in London. Um, what else coming up? Uh, I've got a talk at Brooklands. Uh, the uh, Royal Aeronautical Society have asked me to give a talk uh, to the Brooklands branch. Uh 
That was the museum you went to, Jeff, when uh, uh, and you, Steph, uh, when we mm-hmm. did. I yep. can't remember. Were you there, Nick? Don't think so. I don't think so. No. No. Uh, for the PTUK four hundredth. Yes. Uh, so I'm going there to give a uh, a, a talk uh, to their members, and um, just looking ahead, uh, a couple of weeks from today, uh, there's a very nice. Um, the chap who was one of our listeners called Sam, who uh, flies United, um, so, sorry, flies for United, um, and uh, he's uh, gets a London run every now and again, and we're looking to get together on uh, the evening of Sunday or the afternoon stroke evening, Sunday the 20th. Um, it could be around my place or it could be in London. We haven't decided yet, but if there is uh, anyone who fancies joining us uh, for a few beers, then uh, let us know, and that may help us sway whether we do it in London or do it down here. When is that again? That's uh, on Sunday the 20th, the late afternoon, early evening. All right. Uh, Mark it on your calendars. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, if uh, if you're interested in uh, having a few beers with us, uh, you'd be very welcome, of course. We... We open these things up to everyone. So that's all on my calendar, I'm afraid. Well, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, Steph, what have you been up to? I don't even have as much as Nick. Enough. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> we did this sometime around this time last weekend, mm-hmm. I think. Is that right? Yeah, we um, did it on Sunday uh, last. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So I know we've already given you know pretty detailed weather reports on all fronts here, but Man, this week was gorgeous during the week, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, There was, uh, I was supposed to be able to join you guys on Thursday, but there were airplanes in need of swapping around for 100-hour maintenance and things like that, that they wanted to make sure they had back for yesterday because the weather was looking so nice. Um, So um, I was not supposed to be doing that, but um, one of the other folks who was, was under the weather a bit, so... Um, just in order to make sure that operations continued smoothly, jumped in and did a little bit of that flying and it was gorgeous evening for it. Um, nice, gorgeous day yesterday as well. Warm, like Jeff said, um, not quite eighties here, but upper seventies for sure. Um, sunny was able to get out of work at a reasonably early hour and, um, because it was so nice and, and we'll get to the weather forecast for this weekend here in a moment, but, uh. It was so nice yesterday. There were a lot of fun jumpers um, out skydiving yesterday. So I went and joined them and got a couple jumps in in the afternoon yeah. after work, which doesn't happen very often because usually there's not enough people to support flying that late in the evening. But there was a true sunset load. So I got on that one as well. So would not have been able to go again after that because it got dark. Um, but yeah, just really, really pretty day yesterday. Um after work as much as I could this week, just been outside enjoying the nice weather because I don't think it's going to stick around and last too much longer. Um, able to join you all today because I was supposed to be flying this weekend, but um, it's drizzling and it's overcast and it's gray and it's not very conducive to skydiving operations. So Ah, live a little. Come on. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. I mean, jumping in the rain <laughs> is fun, right? doesn't hurt yeah, at all when I you think. hit raindrops and not seeing when you're anything falling through the sky yeah. <laughs> and not seeing anything or knowing where the ground is. Watch yeah. out for that tree. Totally, totally fine. So tomorrow's forecast actually looks kind of similar. So don't know that I'll get any flying in this weekend, which is a bummer because I was really looking forward to flying because um, I have not flown now for glad I did a little bit on Thursday. So 
Hmm. Well, some breaking news here uh, from yes, our live audience. Uh, Pip says uh, of the Plane Safety Podcast, breaking news, climate activists have broken into the BizJet apron at Schiphol Airport, blocking movements. Hmm. If you're a little backed up, blocking movements can be a very well, serious I, thing. Well, as someone who's so suffered in that area, I can <laughs> assure you that's not very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was all unblocked. Um, oh, and the other thing I, was, I, I just recalled um, – now, I think we mentioned it on the last show that I updated the website, uh, the bios on, on the website, and I think that some of them still need to be updated as well. We kind of talked about that during the uh, Getting to Know Us segment last week. And I don't know if it's just a coincidence or what, but not just a couple of days after that, the website went down, and many of you probably uh, uh, saw that. And I know that I got uh, several people that uh, contacted us and said, hey, did you know the website's down? I went, yes, I know. Uh, and scrambling to try to fix it and um, got it fixed finally. But uh, I'm not sure why uh, the uh, the domain name got disconnected from the uh, where the site is hosted, but it did. But as I said, it's, uh, it's up and running. And uh, so that's why uh, the uh, last show probably didn't get to your podcast player until pretty late. Um, I do apologize for that, but everything seems to be running up and running just fine now. So we'll blame it on uh, Nick Camacho and his bio and picture on the website. Mm -hmm. All this joking yeah. information that, in it. That's very sensible. Yeah. All right. Anything else that we want to uh, talk about before we cover move art. on? Oh, yeah. Cover art. Cover Thank art. you, Liz. Uh, there we go. Okay. Last episode, uh, we entitled the dead parrot show and so Nick, explain uh, yourself. Yeah. Nick, why don't you kind of take us through this just masterpiece of, uh, paratage? <laughs> well, <laughs> the story, uh, it was based on was the hot air balloon that, uh, l l did some low flying over a guy who kept some extremely rare, uh, and parrots and uh, three of them water. dropped dead from fright. Uh, so uh, <laughs> what we've got here is a hot air balloon full of APG gas uh, <laughs> with a couple of um, extremely powerful burners, as you'd need if you're going to kill parrots, um, <laughs> powering it along. And uh, we've got uh, in the classic Monty Python uh, dead parrot sketch, we've got a parrot uh, who has deceased and been nailed to his perch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there Norwegian is fjord. another one who is uh, lying in a coffin, uh, a, a little red parrot floating away in the sea. I'm That's afraid. the one that wasn't quite as expensive as the other. Two. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get a proper funeral. No. Uh, it all takes place in a Norwegian field. Um, and, of, of course, course uh, over and above them all is the quiet invisible, um, which uh, after the uh, draft got approved, I added an extra face to the choir. I was going to say <laughs> I, that's the first time I've noticed that right now. When I put when we put that up there, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I didn't wait see a that before. 
I'm in the exactly. choir of angels. <laughs> yeah, a choir of angels, and and one and devil has crept in. Actually, you're right beside. You're right on death's shoulder there. I don't I know. know if you noticed that. I did. I, I, death has been included in the choir oh, invisible, which I think is probably a very, <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. So. Uh, you're sitting there with your tongue out, I, I, which I assume is your normal singing pose. Yeah, yeah I usually stick my tongue out when I'm singing. Uh. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there you go. That was a bit of fun and for the, show uh, the last was show. Very, very. Oh, the show number uh, Liz is talking about here in my in my control room. Very ear. well hidden. She says very well hidden. I don't think I ever spotted it. I didn't look. Um, You're very close to it up there in the choir. Oh, I'm up. It's close to me in the uh, choir of dead people. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere I don't know. I guess we'd have very to zoom subtle, in to very, see very it. Very subtle, yeah. Very subtle. What? Help us out, Nick. Sorry, uh, I was typing to pick. Show number. Oh, the uh, show the show number. number um, oh, the show number. Okay, zoom in on the choir invisible. Uh, and uh, can't, can't zoom in on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, zoom this is for in. later, guys. It doesn't make for good. <laughs> anyway, it's some it's somewhere up there. It's apparently. up there. Uh, yeah, look on uh, um, deaths. Uh, the guy, the guy with the skull head and the mm-hmm. spear. Look on his uh, clothing, and you'll see it's it's larger than you imagine. Hmm. You'll find That's the worth. show number spread out. Said. That is around there. Oh, yeah. oh, I see the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The two's uh, on his leg. Uh huh. The four is obviously left of that, and mm-hmm. the five is further left of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I see now. Got it. It's hard to find, though. Yeah, Happy. it is. Uh, I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They, well, they, that were, was... they were very obvious when I first put them up there. So for this actual one, the one that with your face appeared in, I, I made them a little harder to see. Yes, Fainted. you did. Fainted them out. Anyway, yeah. good luck. And did you change the position of that little cherub that was sitting in the coffin? Uh, I, the, In a different position on the square one to uh-huh. it is to the, this one. But no, no, that's... I think, oh, okay. That's maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking of the uh, square... Um, the square one. Yeah, okay. There's a little stone cherub sitting yeah. in the coffin to keep the, the other dead parrot happy. Well, that was just beautiful, Nick. Beautiful. Yeah, I thought you might like that. Yeah, very colorful. And All the right. APG gas has got a skull and crossbones on because it's not good to be close to that stuff. Well, it was very nope. apt for the, Nick yeah, this week, I'd the APG gas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and uh, as Liz mentions in the uh, – by the way, if you're wondering why I'm repeating what Liz is saying and you're thinking, I can hear what she's saying, Jeff, is that right now when we're recording live on the video, I'm the only one that can hear Liz. And she said that the uh, APG gas was very, very apropos, especially considering the recent procedure that uh, Captain Nick just endured. Exactly. Uh, right. Very true. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think it's time now to go to the coffee fund. What do you think? I think so. Please. Right. I'd rather get off this gassy subject. Yes. Johnny, how much more coffee? Sure thing. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice, Liz. 
The uh, Coffee Fund is your way. I mean, there are many, many ways to support our show. Uh, but the Coffee Fund is the way that you can support us financially. A couple different ways to do that. And you can find out uh, more about these different methodologies by going over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. And uh, the first one is the APG or the Coffee Fund OG, the original um, donation method, classic method we'd like to call it, where you can make a one-time donation or couple times a year or a couple times a month, whatever. You can also do recurring donations uh, using that uh, mechanism as well, if you'd like. Although we prefer that you use the uh, Patreon uh, kind of method. Uh, you can become a patron of the show via Patreon. And uh, so both of those ways, like lots of ways to, you know, become part of the Coffee Fund cadre. And uh, this week, go ahead, Liz. Yeah, sad puppy. No, no new patrons and no contributions. So, but we do appreciate all those who are keeping up their recurring uh, contributions and our dedicated patrons. Thank you. We love you. All right. And uh, that is it. And now I guess we continue with the feedback. Yes, sir. And I'm not going to play the feedback bumper again. So. Let's, uh, I think Nick is in the dark for some reason. Yeah, I think he's gone to the bathroom. Ah, okay. Let's uh, go over here to Evernote and start with number seven. All right, this is from Texas Charlie, and he says, I've got $5 that says you've received at least 100 feedback emails about this. Turns out, I think he's, (laughs) yeah, you need to send $5 to, to us. Uh, Texas, Charlie, because uh, you're the only one that sent this in. Uh, He says, howdy crew, looks like Southwest Airlines slogan, quote, low fares, nothing to hide, was taken too literally by this guy. Seriously. To me, this incident is a great reason for cockpit video recording. Yeah, I'm not sure we'd want to see this. Of course, if a complaint had been made immediately, the cockpit voice recorder could have been pulled to use in the investigation, but a closed circuit television recording is priceless in any harassment or assault-related inquiry. And with the long-overdue ingress of female pilots into commercial aviation, sexually-related issues will come to the forefront again and again. So most importantly, let's uh, all not think about a 65-year-old male airline pilot sitting naked in the left seat. And this is, again, from uh, Texas Charlie. And the uh, link is to NBCDFW.com. And the headline, Pilot Sues Southwest, Colleague Pleaded Guilty to Stripping Naked. And again, this is NBC5, Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, A Southwest Airlines pilot is suing the company, her union, and a former colleague who pleaded guilty last year to to deadbolting the cockpit door during a flight and stripping naked in front of her. Christine Janning alleges that Southwest retaliated by grounding her after she reported Michael Hack to the company and the FBI that it kept him employed despite an alleged history of sexual misconduct and that managers disparaged her in memos. She also... I hope he had his airdrop off 
Yeah. You know, Thank you. I hold boxes. Those yeah. Creatures. I guess, I guess the recipient of uh, all his glorious nakedness was uh, just the first officer in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, she alleges that South, the Southwest airlines pilots association, the union conspired with the airline and refused to, to support her. She's suing hack for sexual assault. He pleaded guilty last year to a federal misdemeanor charge of committing a lewd, indecent, or obscene act and was sentenced to probation. His attorney, Michael Salnick, said Wednesday that his client disrobed only after Janning encouraged him to and never did anything else. Southwest said it supported (laughs) Janning and that it will vigorously defend itself against the lawsuit. The union did not respond. Yeah, so like, yeah. As long as you didn't do anything else, like flap (laughs) it around. uh, Yeah. Uh, and why, why would you think that that would be something that would be appropriate? I don't know. Yeah. Um, according to the lawsuit filed in Orange County, uh, Florida, Jenning had never met this captain before August, 2020, when she was his co-pilot on a flight from Philadelphia to Orlando. What a great way to in- introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the, I, I don't like shaking hands. Yeah. Here, take this. <laughs> Uh, she says, Hack, a 27-year veteran of the airline, had used his seniority rights the previous day to bump another pilot hmm, who had been scheduled to command the flight. He, uh, Janning believes that's because he saw a woman was the scheduled co-pilot. Hmm. Uh, she said that when they reached cruising altitude, uh, Hack told her this was his final flight and there was something he wanted to do before retirement. She said he got up, bolted the door. So no flight attendant could enter. He then put the plane on autopilot, stripped off his clothes, and began watching pornog- pornography on his laptop. I thought he said oh he didn't do God. anything else. <laughs> yeah, and, really. yeah. and committed a lewd act for 30 minutes. Hmm. Use your imagination. Yeah. While taking photos and videos of himself. <laughs> good. He it's was good master for the- of the cockpit. Yeah, master of the cockpit. Yeah, of, of his domain. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I guess he wasn't master of his domain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after the sentencing hearing last year, he called the incident a consensual prank that got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is horrible. What? Why would anybody think that this would be okay? Yeah, I don't have even a good response for that. I'm not sure. It's not okay. No, yeah, that, that's what no. I don't get. Is it seems like we see these type of stories in like all industries and they pop up like once a month and i it's just mind-blowing to me that you know like this guy is a guy who's been able to put together a complete uh career right made it to the very end of his career and then his decision making is just so horrible like he says like he like you kind of animated jeff he was like all i did was took all my clothes off I didn't do any of the other stuff. Like, After she said it was okay. When <laughs> <Right>. I asked. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's, that's. I'm sure right. she wasn't okay. like, yeah, it's okay. I have an idea. I'm thinking about taking all my clothes off and sitting down here. Uh, are you okay with that? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I can see a sarcastic reply, you know, <laughs> I just, but, yeah, it's baffling. Yeah. No. And, and you know, I kind of imagine what my last flight was going to be like. I never got to do it in the end. But it, uh, 
you weren't going to get naked? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what thought process would have led me to believe that this was an appropriate thing to do on my last flight. And I'm sorry, I, I doesn't matter how much of imagination I use, I just can't get there. Let me scratch that off my list of things to do on my last <laughs> Apparently. Uh, the true value of this show really will help not, you with your decision making. We were taking yes. bids from all the female first yeah. officers. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah. And we'll what's more, I, I'm very disappointed with the company's response I and agree. the union's response. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, I think this poor lady got um, subjected to a pretty awful 30 minutes. In fact, I'm, the entire flight would have been a bit of a nightmare, I suspect. And uh, you can't just brush that under the carpet. I'm sorry. You you don't. You don't do that in this Pip has day an interesting age. little story here. Oh, let's see. Uh, Pilot Pip says, a colleague of mine told me a very funny tale of the time he and his FO flew an empty positioning flight completely naked in an attempt to embarrass the flight attendant. It didn't work. She stripped off and sat on the jump seat. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Right. Interesting. That's, a, that's the other way this could have gone. You know, you know, it, it I, I just wonder, has something happened and they ended up uh, impacting the ground and yeah. the uh, safety board uh, started investigating? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure why everybody was that. naked on this flight. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what they would have made of the fact that no one on this flight was wearing clothes. <laughs> not Plus, sure. What happened that they all got ripped off in the crash? Yeah, they, uh, Liz is saying they all got ripped off in the crash. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. Thanks, do it, people. No, Probably. Uh, yeah. No. So Charlie. Uh, Even send... if you think it's going to work out and everyone's going to have a good time and it's going to be a joke, not a no. good idea. No, no. Don't do that at work. Right. And how, I mean, it, that doesn't even seem like a good joke. No. Right. Like what's so funny no. about that? <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of funny or things I can think of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like getting a fire engine to cover your airplane in foam. That's quite amusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's another way to go. It's happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, when they were supposed to shoot water instead water, of foam. Water, yeah. You uh, know, yeah. And end of the flight, you get those two arches of yeah. water. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, they squirted a load of foam instead. Is this, are accident. we getting your real uh, last flight prank yes. that you wanted to pull, Nick? You wanted to... <laughs> Just cut your last virgin airplane in foam as you. <laughs> no, I was just going to keep the airplane. I wasn't going to bring it home. <laughs> I was going to be my retirement present to myself. Uh, good one, uh, yeah. Mike Kuypers in the, the live audience. Have you, have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> yeah, great, great. From the airplane oh, movie. Do you like or, movies about gladiators? Yes. Do you like to hang around men's? Uh, oh no! Rooms? I wonder if we can get a show title out of that. Uh, have you ever so. seen a grown man yeah. naked? Oh yeah. Okay. Plenty of fodder there, I guess. All right. Um, boom. Um, all right. Great. I think we've, yeah. Now we're, now we're doing ball bearing. I bed, think we've seen enough of that. that one. Yeah, we have. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, continue with uh, the next item from Sam. Sam Bolog. Uh, you must have seen this clip, so I sent the short version. It reminded me of the Turbo Encapulator. And we'll just play a, just a little snippet of this video, and I'm sure many will recognize it. I'm going to need some pliers and uh, a set of 30-weight ball bearings. What? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, tell you what, uh, I gotta go to my truck. Fred gets here before I'm back. You can tell him to start without me. What the hell you need ball bearings for? Oh, come on, guys. It's so simple. Maybe you need a refresher course. Hey, <laughs> it's all ball bearings nowadays. Now, you prepare that Fetzer valve with some uh, three-in-one oil and some gauze pads. And I'm going to need about ten quarts of antifreeze, preferably Prestone. No? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a little uh, snippet of a movie called Fletch. And uh, the actor's name is... Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Thank you. I just drew a blank. Like, uh, I can't remember his name. <laughs> anyway. Um, thank you, Sam, for, uh, for that. That was kind of fun. Hopefully we won't get in too much trouble for playing that clip. That's what Nick C's been watching to prepare for his exams. That's right. Yeah. That's actually what was running through my mind. It's all ball bearings. (laughs) And they're going to go, what? What's he talking about? Yeah. Put some three and one oil on that. uh, Get some antifreeze and gauze pads. Gauze pads pads and antifreeze, preferably Prestone. <laughs> All right. I wonder if you did say something like that. If somebody would go, yeah, I think I know what you're where you're going there. Anyway, you have to pick the right moment. Yeah, yeah. Don't start off with that. No, that's my advice. All right, uh, Alex from California on the subject of rockets as airliner propulsion. Now we talked about on episode five thirty nine. He said recently in five thirty nine, there were some musings on the future of rockets as aircraft engines as a random. And on the last show with Greg Peterson. Oh, that's right, Greg well, Peterson this, also. Uh, yeah, on, uh, earlier in this that. show, uh, Greg yeah. Peterson uh, also uh, kind of uh, chimed in, mused on the uh, engine. Uh, rocket engine propulsion thing. But um, as uh, Alex from California says, as a random nerd on the internet, nerd alert! It's, uh, it is my self-assigned moral obligation Wow, to utterly smash your hopes like a middle school bully stepping on a cotton ball cloud diorama. Sorry about this. Ooh. Wow, that's really... Wow. Specific that's just mean. That's yeah. just pure mean. I guess he's done that, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is? Did, did you do something like this, Alex, when you were in middle school? Yeah, you're worrying hmm. us. Sounds like it. Anyway, before he I get to, to the, know an awful lot about it, <laughs> he does. Before I get to be a nerd. Or, yeah, it, it might have to nerd! have something to do with that. Um, Before I get to the meat of this, I want to say there are a lot of issues that could be brought up here. The fact that historically a significant percentage of rockets explode violently while on the launch pad, launch pad, not launch pad, or that rocket engines have very limited lifespans both come to mind. I actually will skip those since in theory, those could one day be solved. I think um, Musk and SpaceX is kind of you know, helping to solve that by reusing rocket engines. Um, Anyway, uh, the core problem is that jets are always going to be way more efficient than even the most efficient rockets. The thing that separates rockets and jets is that jets burn their fuel using the oxygen in the air and rockets carry their oxidizer with them. This oxidizer can be pure oxygen in tanks or something more spicy, like chlorine gas or dinitrogen tetroxide. The fact remains, on a rocket, you have to carry this stuff with you wherever you go. 
Imagine having to lug around an entire second set of fuel tanks on a transatlantic flight. In all seriousness, this fact is a bummer to me too. There's tons of nuance to this issue, and there are a lot of what about X technology ideas that appear to solve this issue. But at the end of the day, the reality is that air-breathing jets will always be more efficient than rocket engines. Keep the blue side up. And again, this is from Alex from California. And he said, you don't need to read anything past this on air if you don't want to, but we want to. So it sounds to me like he's giving us permission for this. He says, P.S. If you ever want to walk about whack, uh, if you ever want to talk about wacky alternative aircraft propulsion options that are more practical, I like I like the other version. Ever yeah. want to walk about <laughs> wacky, wacky alternatives? <laughs> Quit making fun of me. It's like you're you're crushing my diorama. Your cloud, yeah, my, your uh, cotton ball cloud, cotton ball cloud diorama. Uh, anyway, uh, he said, if you ever want to talk about wacky alternative aircraft propulsion options that are more practical i would be super happy to solid fuel air breathing ramjets and hybrid rockets come to mind alternatively if you want to talk about rocket related matters i have some quite insane stories i could link you like the time rocket rocket dyne made an engine that ran on liquid lithium gaseous hydrogen and liquid fluorine the book ignition comes highly recommended as well, even if, like me, you can't understand most of the chemistry. Yeah, I guess that's another one that we should add to the APG library. Tiffany, are you listening? Uh, yes, Ignition. definitely. Uh, there'll be people signing that book out all the time. Um, I think the point was... That... I've had a beverage at some yeah. point, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I, I just can't go to sleep. Here, let me read Ignition. Yeah. No. Uh, I think the point was that uh, we know that conventional... Um, oil-based fuels are eventually going to run out. And we were discussing alternative fuels. Uh, and I don't know, uh, rocket fuel, is that an alternative fuel? Uh, how do you manufacture these uh, chemicals that uh, you've been referring to? Uh, is it something we can get without having to dig it out of the ground or pump it out of the ground? Uh, I think that was kind of the point. It wasn't so mm. much that rockets are efficient. We know they're not. They expend an awful lot of energy to propel a relatively small um, payload. But um, And you're right. Uh, in some cases, if you're going to go outside the atmosphere, you would need an oxidizer. And probably to make them even burn, you'd need an oxidizer inside the um, atmosphere. I don't know. But uh, can you can we create an aircraft that flies on rocket fuel uh, that doesn't have to be part of um, what you suck out the ground oil? I don't know. I, um, I'd like to know the answer to that, Mister Alex from California, uh, where all the rocket motors are built. Probably. I was going to say, or any other rocket. Is he is he work for the listening. Jet Propulsion Lab in California? I don't know. He seems to know a lot about he rockets does, and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Is Alex his go. real name? Yeah. Liz is saying, is Alex his real name? Yeah, if we don't know. Is it, is and it is really he... Elon? Yeah. Oh, it could be Elon. Yeah. I'm sure that he watches our show and listens. Let's hope not, really. Let's yeah. Not. Um, all right. Thanks, Alex. Next. Much appreciated. Um, continuing, Kevin says, hello, Captain Jeff and crew. Canadian. Uh, oh, he's a Canadian. Uh, my name is Kevin. I am from Cornwall, uh -oh. Ontario, Canada, about an hour from Montreal and an hour from Ottawa. 
I'm not a pilot, but an av geek. I fly on my computer simulator for a virtual airline. Let's call it Acme Virtual. I have been sad to miss out on the last few Montreal meetups, but hopefully soon there will be more. As I write to you, I'm sitting in Miami International Airport after my five-day cruise with my wife. This is our uh, honeymoon. Excuse me. Trip. I'd like to know who does Kevin's flights when he's on a cruise. Shouldn't mm. he be taking his computer with him so he can virtual do his virtual flights? Oh, yeah. Virtual flights. Uh, how committed know. are you, Kevin? I'm a bit worried about this. But it's his honeymoon trip, Nick. I'm sure it doesn't matter, you know. We've got to get the time off. Virtual of all those virtual passengers that have disappointed because <laughs> you're on a cruise instead of doing Canadian a virtual flight. Yeah, but you know, if you um, continue with this sort of reasoning, um, he's going to have a virtual <laughs> wife, not uh, a real one. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Can we see pictures, please? Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, so he's on a five-day cruise with his wife. It's their honeymoon trip. We got married a month before this trip, and it's our dream trip. Anyway, congratulations on your recent nuptials. Yes. We flew. Swiftly backtracking by Captain there. Yeah, very sincere, by the way. That sounded. Also, yeah, very I, it was meant to be. Yes. Uh, we flew Air Canada from Montreal to Miami to reach our cruise. We decided that we also wanted to visit New York City for a week on this trip. This is where Acme comes into play. We flew on an Acme 737-800 from Miami da, to da, New York. Da. We got to the airport about five hours early for our flight, which for me was amazing because I love watching the aircraft take off and land. My wife, not as impressed as much. Oh, not as impressed as much as I am but still playing along with my, ooh, look at that plane. Still in the honeymoon phase. <laughs> I even got to see uh, my favorite aircraft, the 757-200, get pushed back, taxi, and take off. On this trip, you we You can flew. always tell them because they leave a little trail of nuts and bolts behind them <laughs> as they get pushed that, back. That might be actually true. Um, <laughs> on this trip, we flew on the A220, A319, and the Lucky 737-800. That's my little intro. Looking forward in, to sending more feedback as time goes on. Thanks for the great show, and thanks to Liz for keeping you all in check. <laughs> she can't keep me in check. <laughs> no. She's not. She, uh, she's not to, in my ear. Liz in Nick's ear too. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Nick's ear. <laughs> he says, "Blue skies, Billy. She can handle it. Blue skies, tailwinds, and a good IPA after your flight. I'm all for that." Kevin from Canada. Very good, very good feedback. And uh, yeah, thank I'm, you. For I'm very glad to hear you got married and that you uh, went took your wife on a lovely holiday. Yes, to the airport for five hours. And if you're listening to this um, and you want to introduce yourself to the community, uh, please send it in, just like Kevin did. All right, this is from Texas Anlashock, Mickey Mouse One. Dear Captain Jeff and APG crew, it's always fun when I get to mix two or more things I love. Obviously, aviation is one of them, but I'm also a big fan of Disney. Recently, Disney had their D23 Expo, their big event. Where they have conferences to press, uh, where they have conferences, press briefings, and make a lot of their big announcements and some conceptual plans that they have for future projects. At this year's D23, however, they had a surprise for aviation and Disney history buffs: Walt's personal Gulfstream One. 
The aircraft was acquired in 1963 to enable Walt a place to be able to work while he traveled, something he couldn't do flying commercially. After his death, it continued to serve the company for many years, even appearing in a couple of movies before becoming a part of the backlot tour at the Disney MGM Studios, now Disney Hollywood Studios. That attraction shut down in 2014, and the plane was just left there until now. After being presented in its restored condition at the Expo, it was moved to its permanent exhibit at the Palm Springs Air Museum, not far from one of the Disney family homes. Walt famously had a fascination with all things transportation. Tomorrowland was practically a shrine to it, so it comes as no surprise that he would want a plane of his own. I've included a couple of links, one to the D23 video about it and one to a Business Insider article kind of a photo essay about it. That's all for now. Clear skies and tailwinds. This is Texas and LeShock signing off. And let's take a look at the uh, video that uh, talks a little bit about Mickey Mouse 1. Walt Disney's company plane was a great source of pride and joy. In 1964, during the top secret Project X, Walt upgraded to a sleek Grumman Gulfstream 1, which helped him survey land in Florida. With this postcard, we reveal stories from Walt's plane, from the office of Walt Disney. Walt's plane. Walt's interest in um, private aircraft for business purposes uh, started with a smaller airplane, uh, piston-powered, and the next one had turboprop. And very quickly, uh, Walt said, well, let's get a bigger airplane, you know, a corporate airplane. Of course, the Gulfstream at that time was propeller-driven. The Model G1 was the corporate airplane to have. All of the airplanes that Walt used, they all were called the mouse. It was, it, it was logical. We had a mouse on the tail. When you buy an airplane, whether personally or corporate, uh, you do uh, apply for your uh, what we call a tail number. In this particular case, they did want uh, Metro Metro, which would be a Mickey Mouse, and then any uh, numbers in the front. And luckily, they found that instead of a one, two, three, they found a two, three, four. Air traffic controllers across America, one we called in as Mickey Mouse, they were thrilled. That's Walt Disney. He's going right through, right through our control zone. <laughs> so it was a two-way street. We had fun. They had fun. The New York World's Fair, we were transporting people back and forth all the time. Of course, the Florida Project came along. It gave him an opportunity to save a lot of time and to work and to put the right people together when, when he wanted to go somewhere. And it didn't take very long for Walt to figure out Say, we do sales junkets, we do uh, film promotion, we do uh, character promotion, live actors, Mickey Mouse, Donald Luck, etc. Say, that's a terrific uh, presentation tool. We'll land someplace and out comes all our uh, cast members pouring out of the airplane. Mm -hmm. The airplane becomes show business. Walt had one particular seat in the, in the, uh, in the plane where on the wall next to him under the, the, the portholes, there was a phone where he could talk to the pilot, and there was an altimeter and an airspeed indicator. So he could sort of uh, keep track of uh, what was going on with the airplane. This little. Anyway, so we're not going to play the entire thing. Uh, we played a good part, a uh, good portion of it. Um, very interesting. You know, we'll have I, a... 
I was yeah. very disappointed with those in instruments that the altimeter didn't have Mickey Mouse fingers. Uh, yeah, fingers on it. <laughs> really, just the right. clock. A missed I opportunity. Mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it looks like to me, um, I'm, it looks like it's the cabin altitude and cabin differential. But is it also uh, the aircraft barometric altitude as well? I guess it is. Well, on, it uh, looks that like dial. it says cabin airspeed, and what's the other one? Twin needles. What's that? Yeah, as I say, I think part of it is the. Uh, pressure differential because yeah diff pressure it says so uh, maybe that inner scale is the uh, PSID and, or uh, hang on um, I should have had that ready uh, it could oh, nope not that <laughs> no no <laughs> oh, yeah. well Disney would be proud of you Jeff uh, <laughs> the, the you're fired you're going for. okay <laughs> It could be um, PSID or what we like to say, uh, Delta P. Wow, right, all yeah, that yeah. for a stupid bell sound. <laughs> 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 anyway, you know, I'm going to leave all that in there. That's kind of entertaining, isn't it? Um, well, certainly, I think that's it's an odd selection of instruments to have. I suspect they just said, we've <laughs> got some simple instruments we could stick up there. He's not going to know what they mean. So... Although, I don't know, they, they kind of uh, indicate that he was uh, quite knowledgeable when it comes to uh, aviation-related yeah, things. Okay. But I don't know why they called it cabin airspeed. I mean, wouldn't it just be the <laughs> airspeed of the aircraft? Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing that's is going about the going same. going at a different <laughs> speed. <Yeah. laughs> anyway. Left that's, behind that way. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, we'll have a link to the video in the show notes and you can watch the entire thing by the way do you have any idea i did i wondered about this and i had to look it up what is d23 what does that stand for does anybody have any ideas well, d must no be idea. disney. i was wondering but i have no idea yes d is, a, is disney is it's their so kind is of like, it what's being revealed in 2023 nope the, oh, okay. but it but that you're you're kind of warm when it comes warm. to was 23 what, the year that Disney yep. was a founded as a company. I think so. Yeah, yeah that's okay. when I think. Ah, uh, so next year's their hundredth. Oh, well, you mean next year's going to be the hundredth anniversary? I think so. Yeah. Wow. So Pretty let's big. go. That'll to be a big year to for Disneyland Disney. for Jeff's retirement. Oh yeah, that's what we should do. Good idea, Liz. We'll go to Disneyland or Disney World. That's probably, I don't know, one of those or maybe both for my retirement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Mickey Mouse event. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so all that, and the article to which, um, he referred is also, uh, will be linked in our show notes. All right. Anything else to add or whatever to that? No. Okay. Cool airplane. Let's uh, yeah, really. Yep. Um, and, and the other thing that I was going to pique my curiosity now we know of Gulfstream is it's like its own company but apparently it started um with grumman aviation because it's the grumman gulfstream one and i'm not sure exactly the history behind that i'm wondering if it somehow spun off into its own separate company because i think grumman continues to be a a separate company don't aren't they uh, yeah they, were. they were. Well, northrop Bro it's northrop grumman northrop yeah. grumman okay anyway i thought that was interesting all right, let's uh, continue with this item from Chris. How are passenger and baggage weights calculated? 
He said, on a recent trip to Spain, we are allowed 22 kilograms of hold luggage and 10 kilograms of cabin luggage. So my question is, if there's, for instance, 100 persons on, on board, how do you know the combined weight of the passengers? They could, in theory, all be overweight and heavier than when uh, what's normal, if you get my meaning. And then you're allowed to bring back four liters of alcohol each. So therefore, it's possible to have 400 liters on board. Yeah, not very likely. Um, More weight. Also, they could have extra bags of presents or handbags, more weight. So how do airlines work out the possible payload of a particular flight? Thank you. And again, this is from Chris Barney in Northamptonshire, UK. And uh, let's see. So... uh, yeah, uh, here's a here's a um, a chart that I broke down. This is uh, from the uh, new FAA standards. Uh, they ended up increasing the uh, weight of an average adult passenger and carry-on bag to 190 pounds in the summer and 195 pounds in the winter, which is up 12 percent from 170 and 175 pounds uh, before. And uh, based on all these weights, the loadmasters will plan on where baggage is to be loaded in the cargo hold to ensure the aircraft is within balance, and then how much fuel can be loaded and remain under the aircraft's maximum takeoff weight limitation. Uh, Even though these are averages the aircraft manufacturer has ensured on a typical flight, the aircraft will never come close to its weight and balance limitations. Factors are added in for passengers moving up and down the aisles for bathroom breaks, cabin crew serving meals, etc., uh, most modern airlines, uh, airliners have a sophisticated onboard weighing and balancing system, really, that ensures the calculations <laughs> yeah. are correct. I mean, well, I, that's news Ooh. to me. Uh, well, you don't fly something modern. I, apparently, I don't, yeah, I don't fly a modern airliner. <laughs> and will uh, <laughs> automatically trim the aircraft in flight to maintain balance when there is a lineup of people waiting to use the aft bathroom, for example. Man, there's yeah, nothing we, worse than when you've got the airplane trimmed like just perfectly whoa. and then one of the especially on my airplane, like a videographer decides to like get up and turn around to do an interview with someone jumping for their first. And you're like, Ugh. So on a smaller airplane, like Out the of ones trip. that uh, <laughs> flies, I mean, it's a significant difference when people shift around. Oh, uh, yeah. The larger an airplane gets, the less of an effect that it has. And then I guess what they're alluding to here is the auto flight system, you know, is maintaining altitude and, and um, main, it, so it uses the uh, slower speed trim system to constantly adjust for, you know, when fuel's burned off and everything else, it's always making trim adjustments to um, keep everything but just right. Yes. I think it's important to say that that's called the autopilot. That's not mm-hmm. like a weight and balance system no, in the no, airplane. No, no. That's just how a, an autopilot works. That's a sophisticated <laughs> onboard weighing and balancing system. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Very Nick. We're too, yeah. we're too unsophisticated for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm always amused by these average weights. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably does work out. I don't know. If you take a look well, around the cabin uh, of an aircraft and see who's actually on and guesstimate what they might weigh. I, I was going to mention there was a crash in Charlotte uh, mm. 20 years ago, maybe mm-hmm. the 1900 yep. that crashed in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They actually found that I think back then they were still using 170 pounds and that airplane was overweight because they were saying passengers were 170 pounds. Passengers and baggage were 170 pounds and it was hundreds of pounds overweight. There was also some kind of a mechanical malfunction. Yeah, I, yeah, as well. I don't remember all the details. So on the that overweight one. I have to go back and look. Part of it did contribute to the fact that they 
had a tough time trying to recover from it. I think it was like a out of trim, full aft or something, and, right. and the thing just went just straight up basically, and they couldn't push yep, it over. It was uh, Air Midwest fifty four eighty one. Air Midwest fifty four eighty one. Okay. Yeah, and this the plane says, climbed steeply as a result of higher than calculated weight of on the aircraft that generated incorrect CG readout. It is critical right. to have 580 that. pounds above max takeoff and center of gravity, five percent to the rear of the allowable limit. Hmm. Neither problem would have caused the loss of control, but together, right? So it's like what you said. Um, yeah, if the trim system worked, they probably would have been fine. Right, but I, I'm just making that point because this article we read said uh, something like it'll make sure oh uh, will remain well within limits or something. Yeah, you're talking about and that I think sophisticated look, onboard. I, at least in America, I think if you look around a, a general any uh, airline that's uh, departing, especially nowadays when it seems like they're all full again, um, 190 pounds for a person and all of their carry-on baggage um is could no, be a little bit sometimes oh well, i agree sure. but don't forget it's an average for the entire load of passengers and particularly in for low-cost airlines where passengers are having to pay mm -hmm. uh to take on cabin bags uh, and load you know bags into the hold uh and the, if they're overweight they'll be charged um, yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot of people who pack very light nowadays and are probably taking the overall average are probably below their required weight. So um, I don't know. I reckon uh, there's quite a, a number of flights that will uh, go off below the uh, estimated weight. Oh, yeah. uh, and don't forget the control authorities like CAFA do at times uh, carry out audits on um, – passenger uh, bags and passenger weights on flights just to see if the numbers are still working out. And certainly for every accident and incident, they'll have a look at that if it's a factor. So, um, And you, you do have, we have seen them increase over the, the years as you know our average weight of the average person uh, goes up. So that, I suspect they probably lag behind a little bit. But uh, I certainly think there is a, an attempt to keep those accurate. And um, I was just looking at a spreadsheet for some charter flying, uh, like a team, like um, athletic team charters, like football players and that kind of thing. And they actually do bump up the average weight numbers uh, for these charters because they know that they're not average adult or female passengers so yeah certainly on some of our flights we always uh, took a, kept a very close eye there were some flights where it was notorious uh, for the weight of people's bags and uh, hand luggage and the amount uh, and usually your hand luggage is very strictly controlled the number of items you can carry and their weight uh, and their size so uh, you know uh, some flights they could put very close eye on it, and others, like for example, the, the Japanese flights, where the Japanese are wonderfully slim and light people, um, well below the average Western uh, size and weight. So, those flights we were never ever concerned. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think when they have done audits and were able to actually weigh uh, and compare with the averages that they use, it's it's amazingly, um, you know, very pretty accurate uh, when it when it comes to when they've done these audits. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it would. It looks like it way underestimates the weight, uh, but I guess as I mentioned here in this article, that there are certain safety margins built in to you know accommodate for that. All right, anything else? Let's uh, continue then with uh, the next one from Tim W, and uh, he has sent us some audio feedback. Hello, APG crew. Tim W. here, first time feedback slash question. It was great to see many of you in Oshkosh this year. It's one of the best things about Oshkosh. I got to spend some time with various folks, uh, some as far as the land down under. It was great attending a few podcasts live, including the number one aviation podcast as of this recording. I'm about 11 months behind which reminds me of a sign I saw at the sea base in Oshkosh. It read, interested in time travel? Meet here last Thursday at 5 p.m. So I'd like to say hello to the future me, and hopefully I'll be employed flying in some capacity by now. If not, what are you doing, man? On to my question or curiosity. I wonder about visits to destinations foreign and domestic about venturing out and beyond the confines of the airport and its security. Uh, As pilots and crew, we have all kinds of IDs and credentials that we've earned, and many of them, we've just gone through a ridiculous amount of paperwork just to obtain them. As a pilot, we're required to have some of these on us in case we're questioned by authorities, but what about venturing out to an excursion like a restaurant or an attraction or a bar you know, if that were to happen, of any kind of sort. Uh, do you bring your whole wallet of credentials with you? I guess I'm specifically thinking of getting robbed or mugged and losing what you need to get back into the airport, let alone to continue on being part of the crew to continue your mission. Um, or do you maybe have a ringer or a less complete set? Just enough to satisfy the the thief and uh, enough that you minimize the losses or is this something we just don't discuss? Thanks again for everything you do to get us to the 50% mark. Hello to all in the community and I'm wishing you all clear in a million. Tim W. Well, Tim W. Thank you very much. We just don't discuss this. Let's move on to the next item. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish we could. Okay. So, that's a good question that he uh, poses, um, and I'm. I know a lot of the pilots that I fly with, and they they keep their uh, FAA licenses or certificates or cards or whatever with them, uh, and um, you know the uh, F, the uh, what do you call it medical uh, certificate, uh, etc. Uh, unrestricted radio telephone operators permit. Uh, three things that we were required to to have with us when we're performing our duties here in the F in the U S FAA required, uh, they'll, they'll keep all those things in their wallet with all their credit cards and driver's license and all that stuff. Uh, I don't, 
I keep my uh, FAA certificate and medical certificate and unrestricted radio telephone operators permit in a separate slim wallet that I have in my backpack or flight bag or whatever I have carrying around my headset and that kind of thing. And I keep it separate. So when I go out, when I'm on a layover or between trips and I lose my wallet, I have not lost any of those items. But I'm, I'm maybe I'm the exception and not the rule. Uh, how, how about you, Steph? Uh, do you carry it all in the same same mm-hmm. package? It is, but that's mostly so I don't forget it when I do go mm-hmm. to fly. Um, or if I end up, you know, um, flying unexpectedly, like leaving from work. So mm-hmm. there's some stuff that I that makes keep there. There's, yeah. So that stays with my, my wallet usually. Um, that's just my certificate and my medical. Um, but if I'm out and about, so, so who's specifically asking about, especially overseas trips and things like that, I guess it just depends on where I'm going. You know, um, there are a lot of places where I'll leave very important things in the safe in a hotel, you know, um, and then just venture out with the minimum that I think is necessary. Um, and a lot of times that's mostly my phone and maybe a form of ID because a lot of places in the world you can just pay with contactless payments and I've got pictures of my forms of ID if need should arise, other ID. Do, do you ever, do you do what some people do and put like one of your shoes in the safe just so that you remember <laughs> that you have something that in the because, safe? Yes, I have done. Uh, usually my keys are in there, but shoe would be a better thing because you could leave your keys too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just have a pretty good habit of sweeping the room, um, including the safe before I leave. So I never um, use a because safe. Because I have left something in a safe before that required me to go back to the hotel. Mm. <laughs> But fortunately, I realized it before I got too far. Yeah. Um, Nick Camacho, how about you? Do you carry it all in the same giant wallet with you? No. Oh, I think I he's guess, frozen. I was kind of shocked by that question. Uh, I <laughs> guess I put him on the spot here. He's just staring at me, and, and it, it's kind and of scary. Me. No, not it blinking. Not Oh, that's better. <laughs> Right. A little bit of movement there. Okay. I think he's back. Okay. Can you hear us, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. All your screens went black, so I assume yeah, something on it was, my end. It was right when I was asking you about what you do, and then you just had a blank stare. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, didn't, you were staring straight ahead and no blinking. It was very disconcerting for a moment. Uh, very disconcerting. I carry everything in my wallet, and this is one of the great frustrations of my life, is that... Um, I probably have like six or seven different things in my wallet that can all kind of like flow up to the government. And I don't understand if the government needs all of these documents, why I can't just carry one thing Mm. that can count for all of this stuff. Oh, come on. You know why (laughs) it's the government. (laughs) It does it. I mean, man, I, I feel like it, it would be easier to falsify a pilot's license than it would be to, uh, I, I just don't understand why we have to carry it all around, I guess is my mm-hmm. point. I well, feel like if I had a government ID um, and everything functioned well, they should be able to sort everything else they out. They could just like scan it yeah. and see, oh, okay, here's. Well, 
we uh, at uh, Acme Airlines, if you end up going to work or somehow you lose your uh, required credentials when you're on a trip, uh, there is a way that the FAA, well, actually, yeah, I guess the FAA or we just contact directly the chief pilot office and they can, they have uh, all these things uh, on file electronically that they can, um, they can, uh, and they're scanned or something like they can send it to a, uh, a computer or a, via email. They have ways that they can kind of get around the fact that you don't have your license and medical certificate and all that kind of stuff. But they, is it still a violation? Um, probably. I think it is. Yeah. But at least they'll, they'd have proof and that you can continue to operate the flight. It's just yeah, because, and I don't know this for sure because I don't have e- either of the other two, mm-hmm. but I am pretty sure because I, I have friends, I'm pretty sure that even within the FAA, you have to, or you get separate pieces of plastic for your like manned pilot's licenses. If you have a uh, part 107 pilot's license, that's a separate piece of plastic. And if you have a mechanics license, that's a separate piece of plastic. Yeah, no, my flight engineer certificates are separate. my flight engineer yeah. certificates a separate separate piece of plastic than my yeah. flying stuff. That's true. That yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a shame you can't have one, and they print all your qualifications on the one. It's like car. if they only had the capability to print more than one thing on the car. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Oh, wait, though. they We're not do. <laughs> They don't even have to print it on the card anymore. Like in the right. stage of technology, it could just be encoded somehow. Yeah, sure. yeah QR, like have a, QR code. There's an app yeah. for that, right? I mean, uh-huh. we can just yeah. carry it on our phones. Yeah. What would be so I difficult? A, I mean, I credit cards. Credit cards have to touch nothing. You can literally hold a credit card up to things, and it mm-hmm. can suck all of your very valuable what? information off. <laughs> no way. And yet, which I very much appreciate. The FAA, requ- <laughs> yeah, the FAA requires us to manually carry all of this documentation mm. around. What about Nick? Nick, all his how about you? Travels? I know you did a, did a lot of uh, international travel. Did you have all that stuff with you when you were out and about uh, carrying no, on? No, not places? if I could possibly avoid it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the trouble was that each country had a slightly different set of rules about what you needed to do to present. For example, in Japan, you used to fill out a little special crew um like an immigration card uh, and uh, they stamped and gave it gave you half it back and you had to keep it with you for the duration of your stay and actually uh, if you read it carefully it said you had to stay within the province uh, of the airport uh, which wasn't as far afield as many people thought. So they used to take day trips to Tokyo and actually they'd gone out of the province to get there, um, which wasn't officially legal. And um, because there's no photo ID on that, you also had to retain your passport with it. So that if you wanted to, you had to have that with you all the time. So if you left the hotel, you had to go with your passport. And I never liked doing that because I uh, like. You guys probably, uh, I used to stuff my uh, license, my passport, the two vital things I needed to, uh, oh, my airport ID, into my uniform shoe and stick that in the safe so that I couldn't put my uniform on without getting my shoe out, which then revealed <laughs> the vital contents to get home. Uh, and uh, always, always did that. But uh, most of the time, I just, uh, I used to have this really nice, uh, 
from Wingback. They had they were a startup, and they uh, pr- made this really neat little uh, wallet, very slim. Uh, you could stitch it yourself and save ten dollars or something. Um, uh, black leather with embossed, very very neat little piece of kit. And I used to carry the absolute minimum there. So you know, some cash, one credit card. Uh, that was the days before my watch would pay for everything, um, and uh, w- one piece of ID, perhaps uh, if I thought I needed it, uh, and and leave the rest back at the hotel. But quite honestly, uh, you know, you're just as likely to have your hotel room. Uh, robbed as you are be mugged out on the street if you're in that kind of a place so uh, um, you know uh, sometimes it's better to keep it on you although you know you do lose things uh, get pickpocketed you know whatever but uh, it's just that a, you leave at the hotel risk. you could just stick in that uniform shoe where you have all the other important stuff you know? Yeah, we know that they we can, can still rob that. All sorts of people can get oh, into true. your room and into and your safe. safe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because oh. otherwise they'd never be able to open it if you left it locked by accident. And mm, they, people true. are always doing that. And there must be a bunch of employees around the hotel that can get into everybody's safe. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think you just got to go with the flow. And uh, I always thought if, if I lose it and can't operate the flight, well, that's just tough, you know. It's not like I'm doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sometimes just going to get a few extra days here. Sometimes <laughs> there it's just go. life stuff happens. Yeah, yeah it is. You know? I'm sorry. Yeah. Just going to go it's with not the flow. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No need to stress. Yeah. Don't get yeah. your heart rate up about it. No. Yeah, I think that um, it's uh, something that I not think I, I know that something I do is uh, a lot of the times I'll just take like one credit card. And maybe my driver's license and then just some cash and then just keep it in my pocket. And one of the things that's nice about that is I don't like just having a big giant wallet in my back pocket. And the other thing is that if for some reason somebody takes it from me, then I only have to worry about trying to get another driver's license and uh, only have to cancel one credit card and then I'm out the cash, you know, just makes life simpler instead of having a Absolutely. like five or six credit cards and all these other things and trying to remember what is it that I had in there that I need to cancel. Yeah. It's a big mess. Yeah. The only problem was I, I hated using my airport ID, taking that out of the hotel. Uh, but there are a lot of clubs and pubs we went to where they would give you a discount mm-hmm. if they knew you were at You know what I do with that? Um, I take a picture of my um, ID and I keep it on in, yeah, in my phone. Yeah, which is actually, yeah. I think you'll find that might be illegal. Um, well, it's probably <laughs> illegal, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I don't that. do that. <laughs> I don't do that. What, what are you talking about? Never done that in my life. I know exactly yeah. where you're coming from, though, but the, some doorman uh, or whoever, you, you, they go, I can't, can't accept that. Mm-hmm. But it Where's seems to work idea? when I go to a places where, like, you're staying in a hotel and you're eating there and they give you, like, ah, a yeah. 20% discount and you just kind of show yeah. them that. And, and that, that way I don't have to have actual, my, my actual ID on me. Yeah. But but Nick's right. Uh, you know, if if these organisations kept up with the technology of today, we'd have it on an app on our phone, or one card would work for every qualification you've got, and uh, you know, better still, uh, have a little holographic emitter that would produce an image of it that'll float above your desk. That would be quite nice. Hmm. Okay. Chips. <laughs> Just have chips injected. Into our, oh yeah, that'd be even better. Yeah, yeah. Have, a, have a chip in your, so in your wrist. wrist. Yeah. Just yeah. scan. Hmm. Chip why off the old block. Why come huh? no tattoo? Somebody will <laughs> yeah. get that reference out there. 
But actually, I hold boxes suggested we uh, have them tattooed yeah, the tattoos. on our bags. Yeah, perhaps that's the reference he was going for as well. <laughs> All right. 16 and 17, Jeff. Okay. Uh, number 16. All right. This feedback is from Anonymous. Uh, reference episode 541 and the student locking up the controls. I once had a foreign student do the opposite in a side-by-side military aircraft. At about three feet, the student shouted, Inshallah! Is that the way you say that? Inshallah. Inshallah. Let go of the controls, threw his arms up. This was not the briefed method of exchanging controls. After landing, we, quote, discussed the proper method of exchanging controls and God willing us to use the skills he gave us to enact a positive outcome. I have sometimes wondered if we were issued flight helmets in the military for protection when the instructor pilots whacked us in the head with their pointers. (laughs) Uh, Love listening to your shows. And again, this is from Anonymous. And uh, so... Yes, perhaps not the briefed method for positive exchange of That would be exciting, wouldn't it? Like, no, 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 <laughs> Three feet above the, the yeah. yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's not culture specific because uh, Carrie Underwood also wrote a song about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Jesus, take the wheel. Take the wheel. Yeah. Uh, Get in a bind. Just give up. Do yeah. nothing. <laughs> but it didn't include the word, uh, inshallah. You're, well, that is correct. It yes. No. Well, in a, I mean, a version of it, yes. I was going to say, right. <laughs> it's religious. <laughs> linguistically. Gotcha. Yeah. Linguistically, anyway. Yes. Yeah. Good point. And uh, 17, the next one here, Spencer, uh, also on the same subject. Uh, Hi, crew. I just had some thoughts. Wanted to send some feedback regarding episode 541 and the couple of recent crashes in Williamsburg and Santa Monica. I'm currently working as a flight instructor and mostly teaching in a Cessna 172. Like mentioned previously on the show, they're probable. Um, there's the probable, probable. I think the, the probable is just okay. Typo. Like mentioned previously on the show, the probable causes of both of these accidents uh, were caused as a result of students locking up at the controls. As a flight instructor, this is one of my biggest fears. And I would like to share just a tip of advice I've learned recently that might just save someone's life one day. And the older model 172s, and he said, I'm not sure about the new S models, the controls are actuated by cables. Ends are almost mostly connected. What is that? That's not right. What is that supposed to be? Mm, He's got some some autocorrect fails in here. The are mostly connected right above where the uh, rattle, um, I don't know. So anyway, there's okay. Well, I'm not sure what he went to say there, but yeah, the controls are all actuated by I cables. They, they are all mostly. They are all okay. Yeah. They are almost uh, all connected right above where the rudder pedals are. If you put your foot up, you can actually get your foot uh, on a cable wheel and move it back and forth with your foot. It's directly tied to the elevator. If I ever have a student lock up, if I ever have a student lock up someone's leg is usually a lot stronger than someone's arm and it could be a way you could get the nose down in a case a student is locking up with too high of a pitch attitude attached below is a video demonstrating how this works thanks for the entertaining and motivating show 
Your show has really pushed me to pursue a career and a career in aviation, and I'm excited for the future. Spencer. And he says, if anyone's in upstate New York and would love or like to plan a meetup, feel free to reach out. And he said that I could give them or we could give them his email address. Uh, again, that's Spencer. So if you're interested, I know we know people up in the Syracuse area, a couple of uh, at least a couple of uh, APG community Tiffany's members up Buffalo. there. Tiffany's in Buffalo. And uh, yeah, there, we have a few people up there in uh, the hinterlands of uh, upstate New York. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said hinterlands, but I meant it in a positive way. Um, <laughs> it didn't sound that way. Sure though. he did. Yeah. So let's see that video. Uh, all right. I don't think there's any, no, there's no sound to it. So we're looking at, I'm going to pause it here. The, um, I guess that's the right side, correct? Yep. Correct. And the, uh, we're seeing the, um, rudder pedals on the right, uh, control position. And then there's some ducting, some duct work there, but right to the left of it, we see this, uh, cable wheel and, uh, let's, uh, continue the video and see if, uh, I think there's some movement here um waiting for it it's playing isn't it <laughs> i think it is um it's is it just a picture i don't know i don't know I well i thought that there was on. motion in this video let me try it again guess Maybe. not no i don't think so well i think when i watched it before it was moving i thought so too but apparently However, StreamYard is um, <laughs> treating this video; it's treating it more like a uh, like a still picture, yeah, yeah, like a regular picture. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, there's your picture of the <laughs> uh, the cable wheel that I guess you put your foot on and push forward. Is that your understanding? So there is motion. I'm watching the video. Um, oh, it is. It can be so you don't see. That must be the person oh, on the you're other watching side it pushing. Else? Yeah, must okay. be the person on the sitting in the left seat pushing or pulling with their foot but you okay. can see the wheel move back and forth oh. like the whole the whole assembly moves forward and aft okay well uh if Which you want to actually see the video that actually has things moving we'll have that in the show notes apparently we can't get it to work on Streamyard here today yeah and it's something to keep in your hip pocket uh so to speak if uh if you're in a situation where you you run out, out of uh, other ideas to re regain control of the aircraft. This may save someone's life, as Spencer Ten mentioned. minutes left, Jeff. Do you want to do one okay. more? Or? Yeah, let's do, do uh, one more, Liz. Bruce, and, Bruce's update? Bruce? Um, 18? Yeah, we can do that. Um, he was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he is. Okay. Well, Bruce was with us in the live audience earlier. I'm not sure if he's still there, but he sent this in. He has an update on his niece, uh, Christina. Uh, he said, I've sent feedback uh, in before highlighting the aviation activities of my niece, Christina. Thought you might be interested to know she has now achieved her dream of flying for a major airline, having recently been hired by WestJet and now type rated on the 737. She recently started as a first officer based in Toronto and is undergoing line in dock at the moment. Please see the picture attached, which was taken after her first pairing. And we're showing, we're displaying that picture right now in our video. And we'll have a link in the show notes for you as well. Congratulations. Christina. So, yes, congratulations, uh, Christina. Yeah, well done. Very good. good. 
Here, I guess I should play some applause to go with that. There we go. Yay! All right. And uh, this has been an 11-year journey for her, having started wow. at the age of 16 toward her PPL. I was with her at Oshkosh when she purchased her first set of David Clark headphones in 2011. By the way, that year at Oshkosh... Was, was that the Dave Clark 5, the group? Um, yeah, they made headsets as well. I thought so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not oh. that. Um, I was with her at Oshkosh when she purchased her first set. Oh, uh, by the way, that year Oshkosh was known as Sloshkosh as it rained nonstop and basically flooded out the campground where we were staying. In fact, when Nick and I were there in 2019, well, all of us, but when Nick and I were there early, uh, I think people were calling it Sloshkosh 2 because uh, I think they they delayed by a couple of days people's access to the uh, campground. But luckily, Nick and I made it in before... The, the big storms came through. Yeah, we were sitting, drinking beer, watching the big storm. Yeah, wondering if we were going to live through it. <laughs> actually, I don't think we really cared at that point. No, no, we <laughs> drank enough beer. That it was actually quite good fun. It was. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is, we already read that. So, so great to see her aviation achievements since then, as it all allows me to engage or enjoy. Here, let me try that sentence again. So great to see her aviation achievements since then, as it allows me to enjoy my avgeek interest through her. Take care and all the best, Bruce. And Bruce uh, is in the chat. Bruce is here. She already has some good stories, he says. I bet she does. All right. We do appreciate that. You know what? I uh, Let's do 15 as well because they okay. they took the time sure. to um sure. uh send us this uh, meetup feedback and then we'll wrap it up uh number 15 uh captain jeff liz and crew i had the great pleasure of meeting up this is from um keith, keith carlson keith carlson and he uh says i he had the great pleasure of meeting up with tim calls last weekend at the north little rock uh, arkansas air show Tim and I have been trying to meet up for some time. My company sponsored the VIP tent at the air show this year, so I had the opportunity to invite Tim up, uh, see the show, and make new friends. Tim and I also got to spend some time in my Technem P2008 and recorded some audio feedback for the show. Captain Jeff, let us know. Next time you'll be coming through Little Rock, and Tim and I would absolutely love the opportunity to take you out for lunch or dinner. Happy Tailwinds, everyone. Keith from Little Rock. How did you go through a rock? Um, it's, it's a little rock. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, just, you don't even stub your toe. Oh, no. It's be nah. pretty small. Actually, though, it'd be easier <laughs> to go through a big rock if it had a big hole in it. I don't That's know. true. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's listen to their audio feedback. Hey, everybody. It's, uh, it's Keith Carlson from Little Rock. Um, and then I got the chance to meet up with my great buddy, uh, uh, Tim Qualls, uh, who everybody knows, uh, uh, Tim came up today, um, down from Mount Ida to North Little Rock. Um, my company, we sponsored the VIP 10 at the North Little Rock air show and I had a pass. So reached out to Tim said, uh, come on up. Tim got to check out, uh, our airplane. So Tim is sitting in, Tim and I are both sitting in, uh, by Technum, uh, P2008, who I've talked about a little bit on the show. And, uh, Tim, what do you think? Uh, how was the, sh- how was the air show? The show was really good. I was actually very impressed with it. Yeah. Um, and happy to be here. I want to thank you for the past. Oh, yeah, P fast, hundred percent. Yeah, let me check out your plane. He's got a very nice plane, y'all. Uh, very nice. I haven't got to go up in it yet. That's going to happen at some point. Yep. But it's a very nice plane. Uh, 
Yeah, we uh, we had a great time, and it was awesome getting to meet Tim. Um, uh, I think Tim had reached out uh, through Liz uh, to for us to connect a couple months ago, and so we've been texting a lot, and so finally got a mm-hmm. chance to get together. We're going to get to go fly at some point. Um, we definitely want to extend the invitation to uh, Captain Jeff. Uh, let us know next time you're in Little Rock and uh, have a little extended layover. Uh, you know, send uh, send me or, or send Tim an email and. We'll coordinate something, try to get dinner we'll or happen, lunch, yeah. make it happen. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, Tim and I just wanted to say hi to everybody. Um, and uh, finally, it's my, my first time recording some uh, uh, audio feedback. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, take it away, Tim. Well, for a guy who doesn't like to do, uh, to, 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 for a guy who doesn't like to send in audio feedback, this is two times this year I've had to do it. <laughs> I know, so yeah, I, I yeah. don't know what's up with everybody yeah, yeah. wanting me to do audio. But, well, I tell you, I heard uh, yours where you uh, were down in Atlanta and met up with Captain Jeff, and mm-hmm. uh, I realized that uh, at that moment I said, "I'm on the spot now. I got to, I got to, <laughs> I got to do some audio feedback." So, mm-hmm. so I said, "You know, I better, I better let you, I better have you come up so, so you we pull can me uh, in, pull you in. in." That's right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, anyways, we just wanted to say hi to everybody. Uh, APG. Uh, meet up here, uh, mini APG meet up here in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, Tim, it's great to finally meet you. You too. And um, yeah, Captain Jeff, um, uh, let us know next time you're in the area and, and uh, say hi, you know, hey to uh, what Nick and Liz and mm-hmm. um, uh, Nick uh, Camacho and Steph, who, Dr. Steph. Dr. Steph, Captain Nick. Mm-hmm. I'm sure forgetting someone else. So, uh, anyways, from North Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, We'll uh, take it. Uh, hope everybody has a great afternoon, evening, whatever it is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye bye. We'll say bye, Tim. <laughs> see y'all later. All right. See ya. <laughs> All right. That's great. Oh, by the way, uh, this is the first couple that has uh, used uh, with success Liz's new APG community dating app. Um, <laughs> what, what is what's the uh, name of it? Um, yeah. Uh, Cinder? Uh, uh, no. It's called uh, Meetup. Meetup. It's called Meetup. Meetup. That's the uh, name of it she's meetup. calling. We'll have to come up with a better name. Um, but Fair anyway, uh, so uh, thank you, Liz, for kind of connecting the two uh, and uh, giving pleasure. them the opportunity to, to to meet up together at the uh, North Little Rock Air Show. And, uh, and then we benefited from hearing about their experience. So see, it just goes to show you Brilliant. that, you know, you don't have to have one of the APG crew there to do an APG meetup. So yeah. it sounds like they were having right. a fantastic time. So, by the way, I was in Little Rock just about ten days ago. But since you only invited Jeff for lunch or dinner, I didn't say anything. Oh, that's sad. Which Little Rock was Kidding. that? <laughs> <laughs> the one in Arkansas. 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 Yeah, Arkansas. Little Rock. Yeah. Not your Kansas. Okay. Um, I guess that's going to be it. Uh, we, we still have yeah, some great perfect, feedback honey. lined up and, uh, but this is, uh, is about, should be about where we would end the show Hanging normally put all together. Okay. Liz, she's, uh, she's going to leave her control room now and appear with us in the, uh, on the big screen. Uh, it's, she, she can um, only come if she brings Poppy. Uh, well, I don't know. She has Poppy. Uh, she's, she's looking around. Maybe, uh, she'll have Poppy with her when she, uh, pops in. Oh, she does. I see it. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's talk about, uh, ways that you can keep in touch with the community. Uh, you can go to our website. There's Poppy right there, uh, in the, on the screen. Oh, such a cute dog. Anyway, uh, airlinepilotguy.com is the website. Lots of good stuff and it's working bonus. <laughs> 
where you can uh, learn more about the crew and the community. We've got a community calendar. We have a community Don't library. Don't be so modest, Jeff. You fixed the website all by yourself. Well, I think that bears thank you. suggestion. Oh, you know, it's just like uh, I've gotten so far away from doing uh, IT kind of stuff and trying to understand how all this stuff works in the background. And uh, then when I was confronted with trying to fix this thing, I'm going, oh, I don't remember exactly all these DNS name server things and how they all work. Well, and I just kind of took a stab in the did. dark and connected one with the other, and it seemed to have worked. So, yeah, I was pleased. Are you giving yourself a raise now? I'm going to give myself a raise, yes. And uh, 50%, I should say. Yeah, 50%. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, the website's there. And uh, check it out. And uh, I'm so really, really happy that it didn't sink into the digital ocean, the uh, company that uh, uh, that uh, hosts the actual WordPress uh, website, because Nick has done a heck of a lot of work on the Plain Tales uh, section of the site. And I'm not sure if you have, I hope you have some of that backed up somewhere. <laughs> um, no, I don't have any know. of that. Well, I've got some of the Plain Tales backed up. Okay. That yeah, is well, the, the most the audio, record. yeah, the audio is 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 safe because that's with a different company where we have um, you know our originals and backups of all the all the shows, the episodes, and all the plain tales and all that kind of stuff. It's just that the all the show notes, all the extra stuff that you put in to support your plain tales, if people are interested in that, um, would have been gone. So uh, anyway, we're uh, so we're gonna. Uh, Arash and I are going to come up with a way to kind of, you know, make it a little bit more bulletproof and maybe have another source of a backup uh, so that uh, Dast- something disaster like that recovery happens. plan. Yeah, exactly. A das- disaster recovery plan. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, we're also on social media or what I like to call the social meds. Take it away, Steph. We are on the social meds. Um, kind of a combination of the social meds and the social medias. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know. I don't know what I was trying to say. Um, <laughs> Nobody knows what they're trying to say on this show. <laughs> I know. It's it's all part of the words. <laughs> anyway, um, we are on Facebook. That's one of the social media sites. Uh, it's facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. You can also head over to Twitter. We're at APG crew and I think find all of our individual Twitter handles pinned to the top of that page as well. And then Instagram neglected perhaps one day to be uh, brought back revitalized to, yeah revitalized per se um or apg crew there as well um but all the cool kids hang out on slack or at least so i'm told that's what we've been told and uh let's see uh here we go let me see if we can here i i do hear the water running hey hello hello can you do slack for us that's okay. We're used to it. Come on over here. Tell us all about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K. Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1 and see you in Slack. Thanks a lot, Hillel. We always appreciate all the work that you... You missed the spot. 
Uh, <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. Well, he's sharing way too much. Hmm. Uh, you know, I do get lonely. Yeah. Slack is a place for sharing, though, so it makes sense. <laughs> it is. It's a place for sharing. And also, we'd like to take the opportunity to thank Liz, our producer, for Yay. all the hard work thank that you, she Liz. does in the background. We My so pleasure. appreciate you, Liz. And Poppy, of course, as well. And uh, with that, we're going to sign off and hope that you'll join us again on our next episode. Wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Talons, Douglas. Cheers, y'all. Back to five hours next week. See y'all next time. Bye, everybody. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline pilot guy I fly America oh, airline pilot guy he can't land in heavy oh, I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline